Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today we're going to be going over the March of the Machine Commander Precons. Uh, there's a bunch of new commanders, a bunch of new main deck cards. We'll be going through these in the order of the Precons, um, so deck by deck, essentially. But before we jump in, I want to give a brief talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad-free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, we are going to start off with the Phyrexian Precon. This is a black-white deck, and it is called Growing Threat. So let's start off with the first commander of this deck. It is Brimaz, Blight of Areskos. Two white-black for a 3-4 legendary creature Phyrexian Cat. Whenever you cast a Phyrexian creature or artifact creature spell, Incubate X, where X is that spell's mana value. And to Incubate X means to create an incubator token with X plus plus one counters on it, and two transform this artifact. It transforms into a 0-0 Phyrexian artifact creature. Ramaz also has, at the beginning of each end step, if a Phyrexian died under your control this turn, proliferate. So, what do you think about this commander? So, I I actually like this guy. I feel like 4 is a really good spot for like a pretty complex commander, or like a pretty like board effecty commander. Uh, it's, you know, it's a 3-4, whatever, it's fine. Um, you're playing Phyrexians, so you're going to get a bunch of free just baubles basically lying around, mm-hmm. these incubate tokens. Um, and then proliferating whenever they die seems like pretty good. Like you make a bunch of mites, they die in combat. You get like three to four proliferate triggers. Um, so this seems good to me. I feel like if you. Um, well, well, it is worth noting you only get uh, one trigger or like one proliferation per turn if a bunch of guys die. Oh, that's true, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So then you just have to build it a little more controlling than it seems like. I yeah. was thinking my initial conception was just like, like kind of balls to the wall going ham on combat with your Phyrexians. So maybe, maybe I have to readjust. <laughs> maybe you can convince me of something else. Okay, I was thinking like, so proliferation is strong. Um so and the fact that it happens each end step like yeah it sucks that you can't like sack four guys and get four proliferates immediately but if you have a sack outlet that you you know you can use on your opponent's turns you can kind of just like i sack one guy on my turn i sack one guy on player a's turn on player b's turn on player c's turn i've gotten four across a round of turns that's like you know a lot of poison if you're going for that or you know other things you proliferate as well um the the like kind of obvious use case is just to like proliferate the counters on your incubate on your incubator tokens, but that's not as exciting as exciting to me as just like proliferating poison counters or maybe um proliferating like planeswalkers something like that. I think that that could potentially be a lot more powerful than just making my vanilla guys a little bit tougher. I how, how do you feel about this like? as a 
Phyrexian tribal commander. That is like ostensibly what this deck is. It does, you know, have the trigger whenever you cast a Phyrexian, Phyrexian creature or artifact creature spell, and it makes more Phyrexians. Uh, do you think that this is like peak Phyrexian tribal design? No, I would say what this is to me is them trying to branch out what Phyrexians are. And I would really hope that if they were trying to do that, that they would have stuck it a little harder. Mm-hmm. Maybe like landed that. Cause I know that most people, um, I say most people, I know that a lot of people don't like how gross Phyrexians are. And they've really like in interviews with, with people that we've gotten to listen to over the course of, uh, what is it? Mom and I'll um, be one. I'll be one. They were talking about like how they changed the Phyrexian look and focused them more like proprietor stuff like that. Mostly as a way to not like squick out <laughs> the <laughs> people who don't like Phyrexia since it was going to be such a big part of the story for so many sets in a row. And, you know, I think that's fine. Like branching out what Phyrexia is, is fine. But I also feel like you need to deliver on what the people who like Phyrexian stuff want. And this Mm -hmm. isn't that. And we didn't get that in All Will Be One. So I feel like that's more of the problem. Not that they're trying something different, that they didn't deliver on that first thing. It's like, oh, Phyrexia is coming back. And you miss me. <laughs> Oops. Oh, well. Yeah. I mean, like, who is this precon for if not, like, the diehard Phyrexian fans? And so I feel like you really need to make it appealing to that audience. Um, but even aside from the aesthetics, like, I just don't think this is a really compelling design for Phyrexians. Like, I mean, I don't like, yeah, you're making Phyrexian tokens, I guess, but (laughs) like, I think you could, this reward doesn't feel uniquely Phyrexian, just like getting these, you know, worse than vanilla creatures um, doesn't seem like a particularly Phyrexian reward. The proliferation is nice. That does feel like, you know, a Phyrexian thing. Um, but I just wish this was a more cohesive design that built more on the themes that we've seen for Phyrexian so far, as opposed mm, yeah. to like, like this first ability, whenever you cast a Phyrexian or artifact creature spell, like it doesn't even fully focus on Phyrexians. It's, it's, you could easily just build this as an artifact creature deck. And yeah. <laughs> or or just like the or just like doesn't even need to say Phyrexian on there. You could put any creature type and just like most decks will accept this reward. It doesn't feel like a Phyrexian deck needs these tokens, but whatever. Um Yeah, I I do want to say like I, I do like when they do something like create a character say like a Mindy set mechanic champion of plane that we're on and that just yes. lets you use like what the block is all about I feel like that is what Bremaz is here and I feel like that's tone deaf considering 
all of the things that we've just said, right? But I, yeah. I do want to come in, in in defense of Incubate because I've just seen this deck played like online a few times at this point, and it does play better than most of the other decks. <laughs> and so I do want to come like you. Everything you're saying is correct. I don't want you to to. I'm not really arguing with you, but I do think that Incubate will play a little bit better than you think it's going to play. Like it's not like a token per se in the way that we think of it, but it does end up working out better than you think it's going to, especially when you're getting like the free proliferations from this guy. So I'm, I'm more okay with Bremez after seeing what I've seen of him. than uh, I think the conception when we all saw what incubate was, is like, Oh, I have to flip my three three. Like, what are you doing? Like, why? <laughs> like this, it ends up being that like you kind of don't care about the tokens until people have like exhausted their stuff, and you're like, oh well, I'm gonna flip these two guys on your end step and kill your planeswalker, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. You, so it's just like more plays for you as you go through your normal deck process, okay. whatever that you wanted yeah. to build around, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we have a list in the episode description. Um, it's sort of a poison-focused build. A lot. Yeah, of, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. A lot of infect creatures. A lot of toxic creatures. Uh, the goal is kind of just to get poison on your opponents, and then runs a bunch of sack outlets so that, like, if your, you know, if your aggressive strategy gets kind of blunted, then you can just focus on sacrificing them and proliferating your opponents out. So check it out if you are interested in Grimaz. But I think we can move on to the next commander in this deck. Do you want to read this off? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have uh, much less to say about this one. Um, and also, uh, as listeners might know, I I have been battling a cold, so I apologize if my nasally voice is is uh, glass to your ears today. But uh, this commander is Mora and Teshar. Oh no, they've been Phyrexianized. Oh no, um, they are a four-five flying Phyrexian bird spirit. They cost five mana, three white, black. Moira and Teshar have, whenever you cast a historic spell, return target non-land permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. If it would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. Um, And then it has a reminder text. Artifacts, legendaries, and sagas are historic. So I I do want to say that that's cute. This is like a cute way to merge these two <laughs> cards mm-hmm. together um that said i just don't care about this like do you want to mention anything yeah i'm not in love with it either I, I think like part of what makes this card a little unappealing to me is the fact that um first off it's difficult to it's not the easiest to cheat the exile clause like you can run conjurer's closet teleportation circle um and um and like sword of hearth and home just like if you because if you blink something then the this like clause sees that the exile it instead of putting it anywhere else like sees that that condition has been fulfilled and so then you are able to return it with like the blink effect um but like that's the thing is like if i'm doing that if i'm like focusing on getting around this or like find you know if i'm focusing on the loophole in this design then it kind of begs the question of like why am i going through all this trouble of like getting this 
ETB creature into my graveyard and then casting historic spell to getting to get it back temporarily and then making sure I have the blink engine on the battlefield so that it doesn't get exiled forever. I don't I just like cast the ETB creature and put it in the like blink engine and not have to go through those extra steps. Um, and, and like, yeah, there's this argument of like, oh, you can this way you can like cheat in something that's like way more expensive than you normally could. But like Moira and Teshar already cost five mana the first time you cast them. So it's like, and, and this is not like amazing colors for ramp. So it's like turn six, you untap, you get to play a historic spell to get something back. Ideally, you then do something to make it so that you don't lose it forever. Um, but that's just like, you're not saving that much mana by that point. Like you, instead of doing all that work of like, I'm going to run a discard outlet or an entomb effect to get this into my graveyard, and then I'm going to cast my commander, and then I'm going to cast the historic spell. Like, well, you could run like, you know, a Thran Dynamo and just cast the expensive thing, or or like a Gilded Lotus and just cast the expensive thing. Um, and then you can still feed it into whatever blink engine you've got going on. So I, I feel like for this type of like one shot reanimation design the commander needs to be a lot cheaper otherwise it's hard for me to realize the like the main benefit of like quick and dirty reanimation which is that i'm saving a bunch of mana like i'm that that's that's the whole shtick of like you know i entomb on turn 1 and then i exhume like i'm i get something way 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 earlier than i would normally be able to get if i was playing fair magic but if the first step in my process is like casting a five mana spell in order to like maybe get an eight drop down sooner like well gilded lotus costs five mana you know yeah i mean the this seems just really fair that's kind of where too I'm at fair, with more some might say. Yeah, it it's just not very inspiring compared to other reanimator commanders that we have, especially even in these colors too. Like, there's just so much stuff you can do. Um, mm-hmm. And I was really hoping to find like maybe there was more easy ways to cheat the trigger, but you basically hit them all. There's teleportation circle, conjurer's closet, sword of hearth and home. And then a few one-shot exiles if you wanted to, like, ephemerate your guy or something. Yeah, there's, like, and Sundial that, the Infinite, but, like, yeah, yeah there's not a lot. The, but I was really hoping, because in um, Cedrus the Traitor King, there's a lot of, like, old blue cards that phase your stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, the best one being Teferi's Veil, which is, like, a two-mana enchantment that, at the end of combat, phase out all your creatures that attacked this turn. And that gets around having to exile them, too, because, like, what trigger? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's nothing here. But there is no... Like, well, you could do that with like Teferi's Protection or Guardian Faith, but that is like a one-shot thing. It's, it's a, not yeah, something it's just you could do every one-shot. turn. Yeah. And, and then are you, are you really saving... Like, how much are you saving because you spent a card and three mana and your yeah. turn and a historic spell, you know, like... And and cast my commander. <laughs> yeah, and you cast your commander the turn previous, unless you had like just 12 mana, which is what are you doing? Like, what's yeah, and, and what did it cost you to get the thing in the graveyard? <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's just too many steps just leads to 
too clunky gameplay, which means I usually don't end up wanting to play with that card. So that's where I'm at with these guys. Yeah. Um, well, fortunately, uh, there are some bangers in the main deck of, or, or like of the new other 99 cards in this, oh, yeah. this set. Um, so let's move on to the, what are, what are the main deck cards in the Phyrexian Precon? Yeah. So th- we're going to start with white because this is white black. Uh, this is Darksteel Splicer, and this is just a banger. So this is uh, a seven mana, one one Phyrexian Artificer. So Darksteel Splicer has whenever Darksteel Splicer or another non-token Phyrexian enters the battlefield under your control, create X three three colorless Phyrexian Golem artifact creature tokens, where X is the number of opponents you have, and Golems you control have indestructible. So, Splicer, you know, you play your Splicer, you get your Golems, but now it's whenever you play a Phyrexian, you get your Golems, and they're indestructible. So, and go get, wild. <laughs> yeah, and you get just, like, getting three, you know, assuming you're, you're in a four-person game, um, having, like, a non-token Phyrexian enter and getting three Golems, three three-threes? Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Like, you know, we have discounted the value of, of a three three in the past, but getting three of them just like every time a non-token Phyrexian enters, that's uh that's a pretty solid tribal reward. That's like a huge army for very few for with like very little investment in terms of cards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you play this and you get your three golems and this, and they're indestructible. The next turn, you untap and you play like a plague stinger and some other spell, and now you have six three three golems that are indestructible and then like two guys like that's enough to make any anthem that you might be running really worth it you know there's it's just pretty wild i'm thinking like god mirror entity is like best friends with this guy because yeah (laughs) not only is like mirror entity a phyrexian that will trigger it but mirror entity will grant will make all of your things golems so that all of your things will also be indestructible thanks to the dark steel splicer um yeah that sounds sick yeah mirinity has been the best friends of phyrexians these last two sets and it's pretty <laughs> funny that when did he is best friends with everybody Let's say that that's that's true that is true he's got such a nice round belly so <laughs> um can i read off this next one sure so this is exi oh we didn't talk about um where to play so basically like ictekic any ictekic if you're white green ictekic golem tribal Boom, you got it. But then any Phyrexian deck, like we were saying. Um, yeah. Perhaps a Bremaz, <laughs> perhaps something else, you know? Yeah, we. Uh, I, I would recommend leaving this in the pre-con. Maybe don't take this one out. Yeah, this is this is not... You're not going to find an upgrade that's much better than this yeah. for that deck. Unless you're going Poison, in which case, yeah, you can cut the 7-drop for like a Plague Stinger. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, this next card is Excise the Imperfect. It is a... Three mana instant, one white white. It's pretty simple. It says exile target non-land permanent. Its controller incubates X, where X is its mana value. That's it. That's what it does. Uh, I'm very high on this card. I mean, it sure looks like a generous gift. Um, like, I mean, it it does not hit lands, but it does exile. Its mana cost is a little more difficult at one one at one white white. Um, the token they get off of it, like it does require them to invest mana for it to actually do anything. Um, 
but it could potentially be a lot bigger than the elephant if you're exiling like a great henge or something. Um, but yeah, that's I, kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. So there's pluses and minuses. I would say if you're running generous gift, you should probably just also run this. It's close enough that it doesn't matter. I think this is a weird place to print this card because it seems to be an automatic format staple. And I really don't love putting those in pre-cons. Like, is it, is it only here because it's just way too good for standard? Is that the rationale? I don't know. That's like, I have no idea why they put it here. Maybe they just wanted a fun removal spell for this deck and they're like, ha ah, here you go. And just like didn't think about it. Maybe they're like, there's so many options. People don't aren't gonna like look at this too hard. I'm I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, well, it seems like a card to pick up now while you can get it cheap. Uh as of the time of recording, um, you can get this for less than four bucks on TCG player if you go for the the full the borderless version. Um so Maybe go ahead and use our affiliate code and pick some up for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So this next one is very silly. Do you want to read him off? Yeah. Um, so this next card is Filigree Vector. It is three and a white for a 1-1 one, one artifact creature Phyrexian construct. When it enters a battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on each of any number of target creatures and a charge counter on each of any number of target artifacts. And then it has one tap Sacrifice another artifact, proliferate. What do you think about this card? Yeah, so, I mean, first thing is another hit for Scrapyard Recombiner, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. So, um, Scrapyard Recombiner is a a three mana. Well, it has, it's a zero zero construct for three. Uh, It's an artifact creature, has modular two, so it enters with two plus one plus one counters, and when it dies, you can put those counters on another artifact creature, and it has tap, sack an artifact, uh, search your library for a construct card, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle, so you get like a a bunch of tutors for constructs. Uh, The reason I say that is because this is pretty cool. (laughs) This is a pretty good construct. It buffs your team, so immediately it comes down, it puts a plus one plus one counter on all of your guys. Um, charges up whatever has charge counters if you're into that, and then just kind of has this little sack outlet in white slash proliferate engine. Um, sack outlets are pretty rare <laughs> in white, and uh, the proliferate is pretty good, especially when you just put a plus one plus one counter on a bunch of creatures. Um, and there's a bunch of commanders that just make artifacts. Um, some literally, so Mirel, um, the art, the soldier commander that we got literally makes one one artifact creature soldiers um so no investment at all involved here you like put this down buff your whole board all you have to do is sack one of your guys a turn to like keep that train moving make things bigger or whatever um low shield this was really good low shield ends up playing a lot of token producers and artifact guys um just because you're in white and that's what white artifacts do <laughs> Um, Alibu and Jorkadeen make a bunch of go wide tokens. These mirror, they're pretty good at just throwing themselves in, in the KCI and just dying for the cause. And Philip Gree Vector is going to make your team get huge too. So this is cool. This is fun. Um, if you're playing like some deck with a bunch of planeswalkers, other things with charge counters, um, 
I just think this is, I think it's neat. I, I think you're going to know when you want to play it because you are going to want to proliferate and have artifacts. And that's like a very niche corner to be in. But other than that, um, you probably aren't going to want to play it. So it's, it's not like it's a, it's a crazy, like you're getting multiple proliferates a turn. This is definitely like just part of a machine that you've put together as opposed yeah. to just one powerful piece. Yeah. I agree with that. I think I kind of wish it was just like colorless. Um, yeah. I mean, it would have been better if it was right. Yeah. Yeah. Also just like, um, go. So I'm specifically thinking of like throne of geth has combo potential in like vents or corpse puppet. Um, and if this guy was colorless, then you could run it in that deck as redundancy. Oh yeah. Um, but it's fine. Same. I mean, it's a decent card anyway, and yeah. I don't have too much more to say about it. Yeah, I think that rating, it's fine, is exactly where I feel about it. Um, do you want to read off this next one? Sure. Uh, this next card is Vulpine Harvester. It's three and a white for a 3-3 three, three creature Phyrexian Fox. Whenever one or more Phyrexians you control attack, return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield if its mana value is less than or equal to their total power. Um, so, uh, the this is an interesting card. Um, I think the like one or more Phyrexians. I mean that I wouldn't focus too much on that. Like the fact that by itself it can get back something three or less. I think that's good enough for some lists like you. I don't think this is necessarily a card that can only go in like the Oreskos deck uh, or sorry, the Brimaz deck. This could potentially have use elsewhere um, because like, you know, if you limit, if you're limiting yourself to just a Phyrexian list, then that's two decks in the format. Maybe um, yeah. I was thinking like, uh, I was thinking like Ozgear or Jan Jansen or Tokasia. Um, like one of these decks that are naturally sacrificing artifacts or milling artifacts um, this could be useful in those kinds of decks yeah I think it was smart to give it the three power I think three is like the money right there Um, but that, that's where like all the like really nuts and especially like combo artifacts start mm-hmm. getting to like three mana um, so I think that's definitely true, but I, I'm not sure how I feel about it compared to like, uh, what was the vampire that brought back creatures that cost three or less from oh, Bishop of Rebirth? Yeah. Bishop of Rebirth. Bishop of Rebirth has been like exceedingly like not good for me over the mm-hmm. years. It's just like, yes, it has vigilance, but it's a three, four for five doing a very similar thing. So I'm just worried that like Volpine Harvester will just never have an attack, you know? Like that's something that's happened with some of these other cards that were similar. Mm-hmm. That's but, fair. Yeah. I just I mm-hmm. I am curious to try it in Ozgear, in part because like Ozgear also has that built-in mechanism to pump up the harvester. Um oh, that's so that true, you yeah. can get bigger things in that deck. Mm-hmm. Um I'm cautiously optimistic about it yeah and i do want to say this is specifically good in my ictechic list where 
I will be attacking with a bunch of Phyrexian golems and getting back a bunch of artifacts. Um, mm-hmm. So specifically very good there. <laughs> but uh, not... Oh, oh, I guess this is specifically... Yeah, if you are playing a Phyrexian deck, this is a lot better too because it doesn't have to attack. Yeah. So that is something to note. I was thinking it always had to attack. Um, no, you can but, get the value immediately if you've got you know other creatures of the relevant type yeah yeah if i really this is like why i wish they had like pushed incubate a little bit more for commander like made it a little it really wouldn't have taken that many cards like tweaked too hard to make like some just tack some big incubate onto something you know and for a commander card one of these like i don't know I'm going to stop talking. That's <laughs> okay. I'm going to read off this next guy. Um, this is, uh, speaking of Incubate, this is Blight Titan. This is a 6-6 six, six Phyrexian Giant for 6 mana, 4 black black. Blight Titan has Death Touch, and Blight Titan also has, whenever Blight Titan enters the battlefield or attacks, mill 2 cards, then Incubate X, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Um, so... How do you feel about this? Um, so it doesn't seem insane to me. Like when it comes to token generation, like I usually prefer prefer quantity over size because, um, like a if you are trying to attack with your tokens, then your anthems get spread further. Like you get more total pow- power out of your anthem if you're making more tokens. Uh, and then also like if I'm sacrificing tokens and obviously like more bodies means more sacrifice outlet output, just like getting a relative to a grave Titan, um, getting only a single guy and, and specifically getting a guy that I have to like pay mana to unlock. Doesn't seem great. Um, obviously like this token is going to be a lot bigger than the zombie tokens that grave Titan makes it's almost you're almost certainly going to have like more than two guys in your graveyard especially like as he continues to mill so eventually like you know these could become kind of beefy but it's it's also worth noting that like a lot of the decks there are thousands and thousands of of zombie decks running grave titan because like that token type is specifically useful even though grave titan is not itself a zombie um Whereas, like, how many decks care about the fact that these are Phyrexians? Very few. Some of, There are some decks that care about the fact that they're artifacts. But even then, it's, like, black, artifact, tribal, that, like, you know, you wouldn't get your first token until you've invested eight mana. It doesn't seem amazing. Um, how, do, how do you feel about Blight Titan? Um, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from. I, you, it's it's another one where like the value is, I think less than it could be, but it's because like they didn't want this to be too push for casual circles, but this is kind of more towards the end of what I was talking about. Like in that weird mini rant I just finished where like, if they just pushed incubate, like these are actually incubators that are worth flipping. Yeah, it sucks that you have to, but if they deal with your 6-6 or like a wrath happens or something, 
you spend a few mana to flip over like what like a six a seven and an eight eight and like kill somebody so i'm i'm kind of happy with i i am more into like having just power and toughness on the field than you are though so i'm okay with this but it is not like a card that i would put into a bunch of decks like that's that's absolutely certain like this is not better than grave titan like the whole point of grave titan is that you get a bunch of tokens not that they're just like one seven seven that you had to put on an installment plan you know like Mm -hmm. that's not a thing so i it's like i'm kind of torn on blight titan because i really don't know where i want to put him but i can see that he's not like awful (laughs) like (laughs) he's he's a mill engine he gives you stuff to do later he's the big death toucher um but yeah, I just but, really I don't know where to put them. I don't think anyone cares, you know. Yeah, as far as mill engines go, um, you know, paying six mana for your mill engine that hits you for two cards a turn, like compare to yeah, Numanic or Mesmeric or Mesmeric Orb, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, um, no, you're you're totally. I mean, that's that's the problem, right? Is like most of the cards that I play that mill myself cost like at most four most of the time three or less <laughs> like because you want to do it before you do your other stuff so mm-hmm. yeah that's he's sitting in a weird spot but yeah let's let's move on to this next <laughs> actually more disappointing card <laughs> yeah so this is part of a cycle and um it's well let me read it off and then i'll explain exactly what the cycle looks like this next card is Path of the Schemer. It's four and a black for a sorcery. Each player mills two cards. Then you put a creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It's an artifact in addition to its other types. And then it has Will of the Planeswalkers. Starting with you, each player votes for Planeswalk or Chaos. If Planeswalk gets more votes, Planeswalk. If Chaos gets more votes or the vote is tied, Chaos ensues. So, Probably should have mentioned this earlier, but all of these decks uh, come with plane chase planes, and the idea is that you are intended to play them with plane chase. Um, it's thematic for March of the Machine because it's a multiplayer war. Um, but each precon has a card like this that's kind of just like a staply effect, um, but they it has this like planes walkability that tied onto it that generally doesn't i mean is not going to be relevant in most commander games so uh there are five cards like this one for each color and the majority of them are just like kind of uh, like oh not quite overcosted, but just like something you wouldn't really be interested in running in commander like you know this is a rise from the grave variant like okay it mills each player so maybe it's slightly better but but really it's not a card that people are really trying to run in commander in 2023 so i think i get what like design was going for here they wanted to make a card where it's they didn't want to make like a super efficient staple like excise the imperfect didn't get this stupid will the planeswalkers text because they wanted to make it so that like people who wanted to play plane chase could get their hands on these cards but it also means that if you're not playing plain chase, these cards are generally like below rate. Um, and you probably shouldn't 
consider running them. No, that's that's. I mean, there are some that I like, and we'll get to those ones. This there, one, there's one I like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But this is this is not like I I I do love tacking on well the planeswalkers like little thing to these spells, but I. I, I have a pet peeve when they print these commander cards with just mill two. Like they know it's a hundred card deck, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. like are they worried about it wrecking legacy or something like that? Like I don't think you no, should be. No, it's no, a five no. mana reanimate spell. So it's this not like this still is, be like mill five or something. Yeah, and it would still I would probably feel pretty similar about it, you know, because I don't want to cast this with no target, you know. I'm not gonna cast this and be like, all right, let's mill five everybody and like see what i get like that feels way worse anyway so and it's not even that so we're talking about a hypothetical card that doesn't exist so yeah i just don't like it i just wish they give us a little more benefit if they're going to keep printing five mana reanimates yeah it's fine i i kind of get what they're doing with this card even though it's clearly not something i'm gonna play yeah Um, oh well but what can i might play yeah. Yeah, yeah, this one. <laughs> this is Bitterthorn Nissa's Animus. This is a 3-3 legendary artifact equipment. It has living weapon. Uh it says equipped creature gets plus one plus one. And whenever equipped creature attacks, you may search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. And it has equip three. So yeah, how do you feel about uh the living weapon uh, sword of the animist? Um I like this card. Um, so just for a reference point, Sword of the Animist is in 133,000 decks on EDH Rec. And obviously there are some notable differences. Um, outside of like haste grinding effects, this Bitter Thorn can't be triggered the same turn it comes down, whereas Animist, you can always play it, slap it on something, swing. Um, but it also doesn't require you to commit other creatures to the board in order for it to work. Um, so whereas, you know, sort of the animus, you need to think about, well, do I have like a high enough density of cheap creatures or is my commander cheap? Um, you don't have to worry about that with Bitterthorn. It's got everything it needs to, to do its thing. Um, and of course, like it's, it's overall cost is cheaper. Like if you just for the unit of, um, a, you know, uh, in order to get to a position where you're, you're getting your land every turn, it only costs you three mana. And then maybe that token dies, whatever. But you could say the same thing for like the creature that uh, Nissa or like Sword of the Animist is equipped to. Um, so I like this card. I would, I mean, obviously for sure run it in decks like um, Akiri 2.0, um, the, the one that cares about attacking with equipped creatures. And I think I would run it in other decks. I would run it in like colorless decks for sure. Probably some of the other equipment oriented decks um, like Sir Gwyn. I think it's generally a good card. Would I run this in mono white? Probably. How do you feel about this card? Um, I'm trying to remember the name of my favorite boy, Dalakos. That's his name. Um, So Dalakos would run this for sure. So that's the... Three mana, two, four, Merfolk Artificer, one blue, red. Has tap, add two colorless, spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts, and equip creatures you control flying in haste. So, joke, joke's on you, this is a, a, an equipped creature. 
So you can flying in haste and get a land just for three mana, assuming he's already down. And and then this is just good anyway. It's an equipment on top of that. So that's a deck I would play this in. Uh, I, I like this too. I think getting a land for three and then having the option to put this on something else is totally fine. Um, like, I think it's kind of funny because I think this can go into more decks than Sword of the Animist and play just as well, but I don't know if it's going to see as much adoption. But also, that would be fine because this is printed in a commander set. <laughs> and if this sees playing 133,000 decks on EDH rec, it's not going to be <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a very nice price point. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty high on this card. I think it's really cool and I think it's going to do a lot of work for a lot of people. Um, I just hope that they get a reprint going sooner than later. Yeah, um, this is another staply card that, like, hmm, is this the best place to run it? I'm or the best place to print it for the first time? I'm not sure. Yeah, um, it's cute. I totally get the like. Oh, Nissa was Phyrexianized. Let's Phyrexianize her sword. I, like, totally get it. Like, really rad. But, um, yeah, I just I'm worried. You know, worried for the pocketbook. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I'm wondering if like some of these powerful staple cards, if like the set booster commander cards would be the place for them. Like, does that increase your ability to like get them into people's hands um, relative to printing them in a precon? I, I wish I knew like the exact distribution yeah, numbers. My, my gut is that the numbers are higher than the precons, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. Um, but yeah, I guess that said do we want to get on to this next uh this next card yeah i believe this one is actually in all five decks um it's the only card that's that so funny printed across them uh so this is Iker, or, or well i guess technically it's Iker elixir uh four mana for an artifact if you would roll one or more planar dice instead roll that many planar dice plus one and ignore one and it's got tap add cc so it's a sisse's ring that has this flavor text about the planar dice. I, I mean, I don't think we really need to talk about this card. I don't run Sisse's Ring in any <laughs> of my decks. And so if you're not doing plane chase, then just don't run this card. Easy. Yeah, I, I have run Sisse's Ring in decks before. Like, when I have six mana commanders, I'll play a Sisse's Ring sometimes. But, um, depending on the commander. But yeah, this is for the three people who really love plane chase. This is like instant in. And if you're not doing that because this is like if you are playing plane chase this is pretty wild like uh so the way the planar die works for people who maybe have not played before is you get one for free every turn you can just roll the planar die once on your turn for free and then every attempt after that costs two generic more so um which is kind of funny this pays for the first one um so you go you play this you can roll the planar die twice if you don't get what you like out of that you can tap this to roll the planar die two more times, and then if you still haven't gotten it, you can pay four to do it two more times. So it's it's actually like massively increasing your odds if you are doing that. But I would say like what what percentage of commander games do you think have been playing chase <laughs> over? Oh, like uh, yeah, less than a percent. Oh, like, easily, yeah, um, yeah. So there you go. I mean that might change with this advent of these precons. Yeah, I do love plane chase. It is it's hard. Like one of the things about plane chase is that it just it does slow the game down. Like you will probably play one long game as opposed to like multiple short games, which is mm-hmm. where a lot of people's t- 
tends to be at right now. Most people want to play multiple short games than like one just beefy long game these days. Um, but if you're that type of person, give Plane Chase a shot. Like I, I really do like it a lot. It's really fun. Um, and again, if you're not playing Plane Chase, just take take this out of the precon. You know, just put something else in there, another pet card or something. You know. Um, but this gets us to the next deck. So this next deck is um, Cavalry Charge. It's the Cavalry Charge Tribal yeah. Precon. Um, so yeah. So do you? Oh, let me read him off and you get into him because I actually don't have much. I'm not going to have a lot to say about most of these cards in this deck <laughs> um, because it's the yeah, like you said, the Knight Tribal Commander. So uh, Sadar Jabari of Zalfir is a four-three human knight for one white blue black uh and he has eminence so whenever you attack with one or more knights if sadar jabari of zalfir is in the command zone or on the battlefield draw a card then discard a card um he has flying and first strike so again sadar jabari is a 4-3 flying first strike for four mana and then whenever sadar jabari deals combat damage to a player return target knight creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield so yeah, there's kind of a lot going on here. You got the eminence text, you got this like beefy flying dude uh that reanimates your knights. Um what what is this? What does this deck look like? I mean, it's probably a lot of knights. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so unsurprisingly, um yeah, this deck is running a bunch of knights and, and a couple changelings. Um but really you want to make sure that you're getting your trigger. Um Ideally, you would have some way to get some additional value out of the the loot rather than just, you know, I'm going to make my draws slightly better. Or I'm going to sculpt my hand just a little bit. Um, so I think that it makes sense to run like Entomb in this deck, um, specifically so that you can get your Hakon Stromgald Scourge into your graveyard um, or, you know, a way to tutor into your hand, whatever, so that you can then discard it to Siddhar Jabbar. But really, you want to set it up so that you can, um, you know, fill your graveyard with knights, cast your Hakon, recast your, and just sort of like use your graveyard as a second hand specifically for knights. Um, so that seems like the play. Um, obviously, you're running just like all the good knights. Um, there's a handful of pretty strong knight tribal effects. So I'm thinking specifically of like, um, Quende, Pride of Femoref, creatures you control with first strike have double strike. So there are a lot of knights with first strike. So Quende is like a significant buff for those. There's also Knight Exemplar. Um, other knight creatures you control get plus one plus one and are indestructible. That's pretty good. And then Kinsbale Cavalier is three and white for a two, two. Knight creatures you control have double strike. So a couple pretty solid, um, pretty solid knight tribal effects in addition to just you know knights that happen to be anthems or like the circle of loyalty or like knight's charge uh knight's charge is an enchantment for three mana whenever a knight you control attacks each opponent loses one life and you gain one life so yeah we, we have a list in the episode description go ahead and check it out um it's a fairly linear deck it looks like um i don't think you're you're doing anything particularly fancy with this but do you have any no. thoughts on Siddhar Jabari of Zalfir? Well, I just have I have a question for you. Um, how much of this deck is blue? Oh, 
it's <laughs> running blue pretty much just for like interaction and then like the four or five like whenever creature control deals combat damage to a player draw card yeah all the coastal um, piracies yeah exactly um but really this is not blue in yeah. <laughs> any sense like really it's blue because the limited theme of knights or like has is white blue that's really what they're trying to do here they are also well i suspect they're also trying to set something up but i'll get into that more in a little bit yeah yeah we'll get at the end of the episode maybe do you want to talk about it well no there's a specific card that like really oh, okay. tipped me off to it i think um okay yeah yeah well, let's get into the non-face commander. So uh, this is Alenda and Azor. So Alenda and Azor um, are a 6-6 flying war 2 for 6 mana, uh, 3 white, blue, black. They have whenever Alenda and Azor attacks, you may pay X, white, blue, black. If you do, draw X cards. At the beginning of each end step, you may pay 4 life. If you do, create a number of 1-1 one, one black vampire knight creature tokens with lifelink equal to the number of cards you've drawn this turn. Uh, so that's a pretty big effect, but it is a 6-mana commander. So how, how do you feel? Um, so I don't care. I, I like the Azor parts of the card the least. Um, like I don't really want to be i don't really care that much about like paying x and three mana to draw x cards uh i don't really care about the the six mana six six flying body i would much prefer this be a cheaper card and i could just focus on the end step trigger which is the part that is most interesting to me um so i i think that it's not too difficult to like get a snowball going like if you get say a skull clamp, then okay, I sack some guys, and then at my end step, I pay my um, pay some life, make a bunch more guys, and then my next turn, I sack those guys, draw even more cards, make even more guys. It's just like a positive feedback loop. You can also just um, use some of those like you know coastal piracy effects we were talking about earlier. If you can give your guys evasion or or just attack at somebody who doesn't have a lot of blockers. You know, you draw a bunch of cards, you pay for life, you make that many guys as well. Seems fairly strong. I just hate that I gotta like pay six mana for my commander to make this thing going, to get this thing going. I, I yeah, I just, I would like to pay four mana for this and not have a big body or like an attack yeah. player. Yeah, I think that's kind of where. That was kind of how they balanced this. They brought the power level down by making this a huge like 6-6 six, six draw spell that you have to sink your entire turn's worth of mana into, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, it is... I, I just want to make this clear. It is way better to draw off of literally most other magic cards than it is off of this trigger. Yes. Like, this is a pretty bad... If you right. are in top deck mode, then you have our permission to like use this attack trigger. But yeah, you gotta have something better to do. Yeah, because like even Blue Sun Zenith, which is the same rate, is whenever you want. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't have to do it on your turn when you're attacking. You can be like, okay, I didn't have to counter your spell or kill your guy, so I'm gonna draw 
however many X's this time. <laughs> like, yeah, much, or even much, then, much it's more like, powerful. Yeah, yeah. Or even then, like, um, I'll just keep all my mana open and I'll spend mana to counter a spell as needed. And then whatever's left over gets pumped into the blue sunsiness, as opposed to uh-huh. like, I'm trying to predict in advance how much mana I should leave up for for interaction. Yeah. <laughs> so all of that said, um, I'm fine with these guys. You know, I, I'm right where you're at. I think it's cool. Like, this is actually a point I should have been making like earlier with the incubate cards, but I, I kind of slipped my mind. So I'll, I'll say it here. Like, I think one of the reasons, or not one of the reasons, one of the goals that Wizards has had by A, printing so many commander decks and commanders and legendary cards in sets and stuff has been to distract people from the fact that, uh, or like casual people from the fact that like five color combo is like the best deck in the format. So, and and we've seen like visibly multiple times now that people are very glued to like the newness, the shiny object in front of them. So if you keep putting shiny objects in front of people, they're going to judge them based on the other shiny object they just saw and not like the format as a whole. Most people aren't thinking about the format as broadly as we are <laughs> when they're like looking at these cards. Like Joe Schmo at your local Target or Walmart picking up the uh, Siddhar Jabari of Zalfir deck off the shelf isn't probably thinking like, oh, are there any other good Esper draw like commanders I could do because like we just had Quasa a few like what like last year or something like that yeah but like probably doesn't know about that right so I was just gonna play Alinda and Azor and have fun and the play pattern is pretty fun so I think like when I see cards like this I'm not like I'm not too upset because this is even though it's worse than it could be like it's not speeding up the format with the pace of releases that they're doing and I'm fine with that. I like that this is going to inspire somebody to make a deck with a six mana commander because that's like, that's the that's the stuff, right? That's yeah, the, that's that good good when you get those six mana commanders going. So, um, yeah, you're 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 right. This could have been the only part of this card I really care about is that last trigger, but it is uh, it's nice to see that they're using the body as like a counterpoint to like the very, very strong <laughs> like triggered ability at the end of this card. So that's, that was a lot of words for something that I've been thinking about a lot. No worries. Um, but I think we can move on to the, the main deck cards in this. Oh, yeah. and, I, and I have like very little to say about most of them. <laughs> I think there's like two or three that we will have some like more than a sentence or two to say. About. Yeah, there's one in particular I want to say something, but it it is it is a sentence, so we'll, let's okay. just get it. Let's get right into it. Sure. Uh, the first card we're going to be talking about is Chivalric Alliance. It is one and a white for an enchantment. Whenever you attack with two or more creatures, draw a card, and it also has two discard a card. Create a two-two white and blue knight creature token with vigilance. Um. So I, th- I think we referenced this in the main set uh, when we we're talking about that that angel that does something similar. Um, but I am interested in this card. I think we um, sort of like judging it by the same uh, like the the same metric we used for the Dusk Legion Zool- Duelist. Um, 
if it draws you like, you know, one card per turn cycle, it's probably worth it at two mana. Um, and I, I think I would try this in like mono white or red white go wide builds. Um, the the impact is definitely low, but the investment is pretty low as well. Uh, and I I do love a couple things about this, like especially just the the bonus of this second ability. Like it's a, a discard outlet to enable mono white reanimation, which is you know discard outlets are pretty rare in this color identity. Um, and then I also really like the second ability in um, Marnius Kalgar. He's the Esper like token commander from the Warhammer 40k precons because you can just like you know pay two, discard a card, make a guy, making guy triggers Marnius Kalgar. You draw a card, so it's just like two mana, make a guy and rummage. So like a, a pretty neat little engine there if you don't have anything better to do with your mana. I would be a lot lower on this card if it was just like a military intelligence, that old blue, like uh, limited fodder enchantment. But the second ability is sexy to me. What do you think about this card? No, I, I like it too. That's pretty much everything you had to say. I would say too, like this is a really cool discard outlet in white in particular. Um, I love that it gives you a token. I love that it's two mana. It's probably going to draw you a few cards over the course of the game. Um, just become like a piece in a machine that they've been so reluctant to give to white for a long time. So yeah, I'm just pretty high on this card. Mm-hmm. Um, can I read off this next one? Sure. So this is Conjurer's Mantle. This is a two mana artifact equipment. So it costs one and a white. A quick creature gets plus one plus one and has vigilance. Uh, and so it, oh, there, this is a big, big chunk of text here. So Conjurer's Mantle Whenever equip creature attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a card that shares a creature type with that creature from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Normally wouldn't care too much, but it has equip one. So this is all in all, I think is pretty decent. (laughs) Like three mana, give something vigilance, make it a little bigger and draw a card. Mm, Depending on how you built your deck most of the time, that seems fine. Yeah, just a quick little um quick little interjection with the the numbers from the hypergeometric calculator. Um if you've got 23 other creatures in your deck that like share a type with whatever's equipped, then you've got an 80% hit rate on this trigger. Um and if you've got 31, then you've got a 90% hit rate. So just to to keep in mind, you're you're definitely going to want to want to be heavily tribal. Ideally, your the tribe of your deck would share a type with your commander um and it is like especially good i was thinking in like raksha golden cub because oh, yeah. a it's, it's a tribal deck yeah and he like wants things to be equipped so that that could be a good place for it um but you know you'll figure it out you'll figure out where it's good um and it's probably going to be somewhere that's maybe doesn't have blue in its color identity i'm just thinking like <laughs> Uh, there, there's certainly like better forms of card advantage for most color identities. Yeah, if the, is Jorkadine's a human, right? So like you could do the new Jorkadine with this thing. You're drawing you, a card and getting yeah, a human. you could. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's something, solid. Something it, kind of provided fun. you've yeah, provided you've got the, like the density of humans. Sure. Yeah. Um. Well, cool. Well, let's get on to this next one. This is uh, a pretty wild card to see. This is Herald of Hoofbeats. 
This is a 3-3 human knight for 4 mana, 3 and a blue. Uh, They have horsemanship, and other knights you control have horsemanship. That that's it. Boom. Um, wow. It's it's obviously extremely funny to bring back this ability. Um your got what the way it actually plays out, of course, is that your guys are unblockable, your knights are unblockable. Um so outside of this deck, I was thinking like maybe if you've if you've got like everything tribal, this could be fun there. It certainly gets all your changelings through. Um any other thoughts on this card? No, pretty much pretty much now <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna move on <laughs> okay uh this next card is the the next in the will of the planeswalker cycle it is path of the enigma four and a blue for a sorcery target player draws four cards and then will of the planeswalkers starting with you each player votes for planeswalker chaos if planeswalk gets more votes planeswalk if chaos gets more votes or the vote is tied chaos ensues okay this is uh mildly better than tidings because Tidings is three blue-blue for a sorcery that draws four cards, um, but nobody plays Tidings. So I don't think you play this if you're not doing Plane Chase. Yeah, no, I was going to say that what I was actually really excited for this because I would play Tidings, but it costs two blue, like there's two blue pips. This only has one blue pip, so it's a one-mana draw four in my uh, Magnus the Red deck. <laughs> and that's uh, that's it. That's where I'm going to play it. <laughs> I mean, maybe in, in Mizzix, but I, I feel like, well, I'll, nah, I mean, maybe. It, uh, let's, let's move on, though. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I think there's more cards to talk about. So um, we, next up, we've got Exsanguinator Cavalry. It is two and a black for a two, three creature vampire knight with menace and lifelink. And whenever a knight you control deals combat damage to a player, put a plus a plus one counter on that creature and create a blood token. And for those who don't remember them, uh, blood tokens are artifacts. They have one tap, discard a card, sacrifice this artifact, draw a card. So how do you feel about this card? What do you think? I think it's cool. So the first thing is I'm glad they're making cards with blood. I'm glad they're using other mechanics like that. That might be hard to make a whole set out of again, but I'm kind of upset that it's tied to knights, you know, like... Uh, I mean, it works with the commander obviously for this deck like make a blood you can pitch a card get him back with your commander but uh, uh, it is it is what it is I think this is just a fine card in general like this counts itself so you menace lifelink 2-3 gets in gains you some life gets you a blood gets a counter I think it's good in the knight list but I, I don't know if I'm gonna play it anywhere else <laughs> I think I would run it in like maybe in a Hakon deck, maybe. Um, oh yeah, I'll, yeah. I will say that like you know, it it works really well with the knights that grant double strike because your you know your guys hit and they all get a plus plus one counter and then yeah, they hit yeah. again. Um, the the blood tokens, yeah, they work well with this commander. They also work especially well if you're. Um, building your deck a little bit towards getting Hakon because, you know, your commander only provides the one loot per turn, but you could potentially loot away a whole bunch of knights, cast them all using Hakon, um, and have just drawn a bunch of cards for very low investment. Um, yeah. Yeah. Seems like a, a fine card for, like, exactly two decks. And yeah, exactly. And it's really on. good. 
Yeah, really good stats for those two decks, though. Yeah, that's um, true. So this is Loctwain Lancer. So this is a 5-5 five, five Human Knight for four... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Loctwain Lancer is a 5-5 five, five Human Knight for five mana, four and a black. They have Menace, and whenever a non-token knight you control dies, each opponent loses a life and you draw a card. So once again, Mono Black Knights gets a, a doozy. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I mean, seems fine for the two night decks in the yeah. format. And yeah, it's I don't have too much else yeah, to you, say. Yeah, you you play your hand. You if it dies, you get it back. If you were doing stuff out of the graveyard per se, maybe with a hack on, you just draw a bunch of cards for free because you played out of your graveyard. So yeah, just very good. So. Uh, next card, Vodalian Wave Knight is a 3-3 Merfolk Knight for 4 mana, 2 white blue. Uh, it says whenever you draw a card, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on each other Merfolk and or Knight you control. Um, yeah, I, I, this is very good, so I'm going to say that. This is very strong, but I don't, right now, what other deck does this go into? <laughs> Yeah, I think this is this card is a seed. Um, so, given that like the most popular Merfolk commanders are like either mono blue or blue green, it's kind of weird to get a Merfolk tribal card in this color identity, unless um, unless they know something at Wizards that we don't know. So, on the docket for this this year's releases. Um, we've got Lost Caverns of Ixalan. So we are returning to Ixalan, and I think that they are going to change the structure of how they're doing the tribes a little bit. So they they kind of acknowledge that the like four faction experiment that they tried in Ixalan was a failure, um, in part for, for a couple of reasons. Like one, they, there wasn't really any overlap. They didn't have any kind of like changelings or like, you know, some of them are classes, some of their, like, like they didn't overlap the colors much or, or make cards that fit into multiple factions. So there was just a whole lot of, um, it was just like, you kind of got on rails in limited, you pick your tribe early and then you stick to it because if you try anything else, you're going to fail. There's just no, options to like switch out of your lane or pivot um so i think what they are going to try to do and you can all quote me on this um i think that the four tribes like the ones that don't have like three colors already are going to get expanded into a third color uh and i think they're going to add a fifth tribe i don't know what but um so i think that they it's going to be sort of like shard oriented because we already have like two of the factions are already shards with the the dinosaurs in Naya and the pirates in Grixis. And so I think what they're going to do is they're going to expand out the vampires from white black to white blue black and they're going to um make the um the merfolk instead of being just blue green they're going to be blue white green. So that would if that is where we're going if that's the plan then this card suddenly makes a lot more sense because they're probably going to have some sort of like 
blue, white, green, um, like merfolk tribal commander. And then you can put this card in that deck and it'll work great for your tribal effect. Um, I think that's what, what's going to happen. If you disagree with me, then I don't know. Uh, let me know your thoughts. But it's it's the only thing I can think of or, or like the most likely thing I can think of that would explain what this stupid ass card is doing. <laughs> no, I do like that theory. Um, Cause yeah, the only like white blue Merfolk commander is a uh, Sig river guide, which does not really have anything to do with drawing cards. It's just like a gives your it, Merfolk protection. And also mm-hmm. he's just like way less, less popular than the other yeah, one. The other so, like we're not going back to Lorwyn anytime soon. And yeah. 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 Anyway, but that said, we can get on to the the next deck. So this is call for backup. So this is a Naya deck, and uh, I guess can I read off the face commander? Yeah, go for it. So the face commander for this deck is Bright Palm Soul Awakener. Uh, so they are a four three fox shaman for four mana. One red, green, white. So four mana, four, three. They have backup one. So when they ETB, put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control, and they get the following ability. And that ability is whenever this creature attacks, double the number of plus one, plus one counters on target creature. That creature can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less this turn. So. Uh, basically a plus one plus one counters deck, but like a little more tricky. <laughs> and uh, you can't get jump blocked. So yeah, how do you feel about this? Um, this is, I mean, it's a fine commander. Uh, some ways to build around it. You can run like hydras or graft guys or modular creatures. There's, there's just like a lot of um types of creatures that are like you know zero zeros or zero ones that enter the battlefield with a bunch of counters on them. And then, of course, there's a lot of support in this color identity to add further counters with, like, Cathar's Crusade or whatever type effects. Um, This, it seems fine. It's not a card I'm especially excited by. It just seems like you make big guys and swing with them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i, I would, i'm gonna say that like this is pretty good at doing that like if you like to make little guy big guy and attack or make big guy bigger guy and attack then this is gonna do it pretty well like a four mana four three that puts a counter on something doubles counters like on the etb and then can just do that on its own every turn combined with everything else you're doing this seems fun you know this seems like they did a good job like zoning in on what they were trying to do with uh with this deck so yeah i'm into him you know it's definitely a naya plus one plus one counters list yeah i'm uh, happy to move on to the next commander I, I don't have a ton to say about bright palm yeah so uh this next one is shalai and halar so these are three three angel elf for four mana one red green white it's funny they both cost the same exact uh, mana cost uh, so Shalai and Halar have flying and vigilance, and whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on a creature you control, 
Shalai and Halar deal that much damage to target opponent. So you may have noticed that that ability is really, really similar to All Will Be One, the, the card from All Will Be One. Uh, and so basically, like, um, all the combo cards that work well with that also work with this. You know, you can just run like the Red Terror or War Elemental or um, Heliod Sun Crowned in this deck. And all of them will just allow you to combo off and kill your opponents. Um, I, I mean, I guess like the creature based, well, all of those are creatures, so I guess it doesn't really matter. I mean, you're, you're on color for, you know, Eladomri's Call, Worldly Tutor, blah, blah, blah. Just a million ways to find your combo pieces. And I, I think that's like the strongest line for this deck. I don't know if I would, I wouldn't really try to build it in any other direction in particular. Like, sure, <laughs> you can, I mean, you could add a bunch of counters with cards and kill things as well. Um, but winning the game is going to be more exciting to me than just getting incremental value. Yeah, you are in white, so you can tutor up to all B1, but I, I do think, like, if you actually do just go full plus one, plus one counters with this guy, like, you are going to kill someone really fast. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's really not hard to get that many plus one, plus one counters. Dealing 40 with a bunch of cards like that seems pretty easy, so I think both, I think you could do both, and it's not a big deal. Um, It's not going to take up too many slots in the deck, and you're just going to kill people very fast if you do build this deck very strong. Uh, but that said, do you want to read off the next card? Sure, this next one's pretty interesting. Um, it's Guardian Scale Lord. Four and a white for a 3-4 creature dragon with backup one. Um, so as a reminder, when this creature enters the battlefield, put a plus, plus one counter on target creature. If that's another creature, it gains the following abilities until end of turn. Uh, so the following abilities are flying, and whenever this creature attacks, return target non-land permanent card with a mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is this creature's power. So I gotta say, um, like, between this card and the Phyrexian Fox earlier, do you remember, like, God, it was like four years ago when we did an episode all about, like, what white is missing in Commander, what white needs more of, and we just, at one point, we were just like, please give us more Sun Titans, give us a thousand more Sun Titans. Well, yeah. they, they finally listened to us and yeah. we're getting all the Sun Titans at once. Um, and that's great. Uh, I mean, worth noting like that this card doesn't have the combo potential or the land ramp of Sun Titan. Um, it, it cannot return lands from your graveyard. Um, and it, it doesn't, because it's an attack trigger and not an ETB trigger, um, you don't get to like get you know a fiend hunter or like a uh a gift of immortality anything like that in a sack outlet and and go to town that is unfortunately not an option with this card but even without the combo potential or the land ramp i still think this is a a solid card there are even even in a mono white color identity there are just a lot of creatures i would be excited about recurring every turn like skyclave apparition uh lower end of the third path Ranger Captain of Eos, Fiend Hunter, Cathar Commando, Recruiter of the Guard, Selfless Spirit. There's plenty of things that would 
real either just like give you ongoing board control or like protect your your guys really well guardian of faith um so i think this is a neat card and i'm happy that like it exists um i think that white like still needs more sack outlets so that it can like better take advantage of its like good cheap etb creatures and it's like the many sun titan effects they're throwing at us or or more discount discard outlets that would help too um but it's i think a promising vein of design um what do you think about this card i really like it i think you're right like if you give me a sun titan i'm gonna play it and i really do like that the first cast on this guy the backup is uh, could be much more than a Sun Titan, right? So you get a Sun Titan every turn after with this guy, but the first one is going to be, could be something very substantial. Um, so I think it's fine. Yeah, the, the worst part about the card is that it says non-land, but other than that, like, there's always something, <laughs> you know? Like, if you're building a deck with Sun Titans, usually you have a plan and you're getting that thing back, so... I'm happy with this guy. I, I more of this, uh, maybe some more that say uh, land, please. You know, mm-hmm. just a permanent. But yes, just glad to be getting him. Um. So yeah, this next card is Death Greeter's Champion. So this is a two-one human warrior for three mana, two and a red. Uh, they have dash, so their dash cost is three and a red. So if you pay the dash cost, you can. Uh, it's it's still casting the card. You put it on the battlefield. It gains haste. And then it is returned to your hand at the end of the turn if it didn't die somehow. <laughs> so basically, you can keep paying for to dash it out uh, however many times you want. Why is that relevant? Well, it has backup one and double strike. So for three, you get a two one that presumably puts a one one counter somewhere and gives something double strike for a turn. Uh, or for four, as many turns in a row as you want, you can keep doing that. So. Uh, it's not the best rate dashing this all the time, but you will want to do it sometimes. I think like just as a human warrior, this is probably fine. Uh, there's probably a deck somewhere that wants this, uh, just for that rate, you know, two, one backup, one double strike human warrior. Uh, and I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. There's a lot of like two power double strikers for three mana. Um, I mean, maybe in like, um, maybe in like Jork Dean, you could do it. Just something that provides like an insane power buff. Yeah, maybe. I'm looking right now because I thought, I thought I had one. It was Himiko Yam, the Heiko Yamazaki, the one that gets back stuff. Oh, uh, Ryu Storm's Edge. That was one of the ones that I was like, okay, yeah, that's probably okay. fine there. Okay. Not sure. Uh, no, but, that just counts the. Yeah. yeah, I'd say that if your goal is to use this just to grant things double strike, there are much better ways to do it that don't have like this ongoing cost. I think that it's ridiculous that this dash cost is so high. No, I do too. I'm yeah, really. I'm thinking about this card as like a human warrior. So like, what decks want a human warrior in red? <laughs> yeah. So that's like, uh, we might get more someday. Mm-hmm. You know. I think that like this 
you could have printed this card in like the main set of March of the Machine and it wouldn't have like the, the format is so bomb heavy that this wouldn't have been like too out of place. So like why are we putting it in the commander precon? Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I, I think that if you're gonna print it in a commander precon and automatically shunt it into eternal formats, you could probably be more aggressive with the rates. Cause there is an amount I would pay for this dash cost where that or, or like an amount they could charge for this dash cost where I would happily like play this card in commander but it's not four it's a lot less than four (laughs) i actually i would yeah i'm gonna think about this i'm not gonna say too much more mostly because my my nose is gonna hate me um do you want to read off this next one yeah uh this next card is mirror style master it's four red red for a three three creature human warrior with backup one uh when Whenever this creature attacks, for each attacking modified creature you control, create a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of that creature. Exile those tokens at end of combat. So uh, this seems like a pretty powerful card. Um, it, if you are able to meet the condition of having a bunch of modified guys, then this seems to offer like a ton of value and damage. Um, so I was thinking like, Maybe in Marchesa 1.0, Marchesa the Black Rose, um, or Exava, um, or Grumgully. Those all like naturally either are running a bunch of creatures with plus and plus one counters or granting plus and plus one counters to creatures. Um, maybe even like, would you consider running this in Kibo? Because like his reward is putting plus and plus one counters on all your guys. Yeah, I think I think there's enough that makes that worth it. Um, I really do think that like if you're playing a red deck that puts plus one plus one counters on its guys, uh, like that's usually these effects have been pretty good for me. <laughs> so, uh, what's that huge myriad enchantment from uh, uh, Baldur's Gate? All your guys have myriad. I can't um, remember what it's called. It's the white eight mana white enchantment. Your guys have oh, myriad. Yeah um something legion something I, I thought it was yeah i thought it was legion, legion too um it is legion loyalty legion loyalty okay so legion loyalty has actually been like really good for me like in the i, I finally got it into a deck and uh it worked out pretty well this is basically like if you can put plus one plus one counters on your guys this is more or less like it's pretty similar it's not the whole myriad attack everybody but like getting extra tokens of these guys is is pretty awesome and they probably have etb triggers um even if it's just a token like it's just more damage so yeah this is really strong so super into this uh so this next one is wild so this is probably one of the only paths that i think both of us are are super into this is path of the pyromancer so this is a red sorcery. It costs four and a red. So five mana value. Path of the Pyromancer has discard all the cards in your hand. Add red for each discarded card this way. Then draw that many cards plus one. Then Will of the Planeswalkers. You all vote for Planeswalker Chaos and you do the, that thing. So yeah, that's... I'm super down. <laughs> this is really cool. Uh, Yeah, this is my favorite of this cycle um 
this is I think this is like uh a pretty easy card to run in red decks. Like it is I mean it's gonna be card neutral because you're just like you're you're getting exactly the number of cards you're you're spitting out, including this one. And then it's potentially also mana neutral. So it's just kind of like a free way to fix a bad hand. Um I, I think that is that's pretty darn good. I'm I'm happy to run effects like that. I put you know Valakut um Awakening in a lot of my red decks. I'm excited to run into the fire that new card from March of the Machines where it's like the modal spell that's either Pyroclasm or um or like a Valakut Awakening at sorcery speed. Uh so yeah, this seems like a cool card. As you add colors to your identity with like better options for card draw i'm of course going to be much less likely to run this but in like mono red uh especially like a mono red deck that plans to do things with its graveyard i think this is a fantastic card like i've got a feldno the third path list that i'm gonna slam dunk this right into yes no i pretty much everything you said i have so many decks that are super into this um the yeah everything about it super down gonna play this a bunch of decks i yeah just uh love discarding my hand super into it so we're on to the last red card in this pre-con it is uncivil unrest four and a red for an enchantment non-token creatures you control have riot so they enter the battlefield with your choice of a plus and plus one counter or haste and if a creature you control with a plus and plus one counter on it would deal damage to a permanent or player it deals double that damage instead uh so, I mean, we've mentioned some of these commanders before, but just like commanders that naturally run a bunch of plus one counter dudes, like uh, Halana and Elena, the Swarm Lord, Chishiro, Marchesa 1.0. Um, seems like natural fit for those kinds of decks. Um, any other thoughts on this card? Yeah, I think so. This is um, up above when we mentioned. Kubo or Kibo. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much any commander in red that gives itself plus one plus one counters is probably close to a one shot with this card, too. So that's probably something else to keep in mind. Like if you are running a commander in a red color identity that grants itself and others plus one plus one counters, you might be able to just noob tube people with this card. Uh, on top of like other guys you might be having, like the Grim Gullies and whatnot. So I think this is just strong. This is just a good card, and uh, I'm down. You know, I'm here for it. Yeah. Speaking of noob tubing, uh, it's worth noting that you can like drop this, and then drop like a heartless hitted sugu, give it the counter, and then this will be your mechanism for doubling the damage and killing everyone. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good play pattern. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely a like after a bunch of pretty uninteresting cards in the oh i don't know i guess i'm thinking of the last deck this deck's been pretty cool so far (laughs) so let's see if it keeps (laughs) it up so this first green commander is conclave sledge captain is a four four elephant soldier for six mana five and a green uh they have backup one backup one backup one uh they have trample and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player put that many plus one plus one counters on it so six mana four four that backs up three guys or itself three times or two guys in itself, you know, 
you pick, you know, you can do whatever you want with this, um, to double a bunch of counters when you attack. So is this is this worth it to you? Do you do you like this? How do you feel about it? Um I was thinking like maybe this could be a card in Hamza, uh Guardian of Arashan. Um so if he is like he's able to reduce its cost down to a single green pip. Um and then this card when it comes in has the ability to like put counters on a bunch of creatures and it uh both with its ETB ability and like with the ability it's granting the the combat damage ability. So and of course it's just like giving trample to your huge guys. So I was thinking like that would be a place where it would make sense. Um maybe also in like a, a Lazel and Master Chef build where like you know it will not only give additional counters from Lazel, like when it ETBs and, and does all these backups, but then Lazel will also give more counters when it the the backup the creatures you backed up uh, deal combat damage. So could be something there. Uh, otherwise, I, I mean, it's a card for plus one plus one counter decks. That's that seems like the main use for it. Yeah, there's an embarrassment of riches for these decks. So like, you probably have a deck right now that this could go into. Uh, and if you didn't, it would not be any the worse for wear. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, not too crazy. It's a six-mana guy. Um, it is a creature, so that's cool. Um, I pretty much feel the same way you do. I'm, I'm excited about it. I do want to say that I think it's interesting that elephants have become, like, very entwined with plus one, plus one counters somehow. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but, like, Selesnia or uh, now and all of the old um, Abzan cards they had a lot of elephants and on new capenna there's elephants like i don't know why the elephants are the got a lot of plus one plus one counters but i think it's more just like plus one plus one counters are a common theme in white and green and like on like you don't really see elephants outside of those two colors those colors yeah um and also like you know, when they, they tend to make it so that a creature that is larger than a two, three and not a legendary creature, like they, they go, they have like creature types that are kind of lined up to sub in for the bigger ones. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's kind of where it's coming from. Like they only have so many like big creature types in white and green that make sense on like multiple worlds. Um, and so that's, how elephants just ended up kind of being the de facto plus plus one counter thing. Yeah. But honestly, it's a good thing because it means that like if there ever were to be an elephant tribal commander, there's now like a mechanical hook so you can make like an interesting design rather than just like elephants you control get plus one plus one. Yeah, or, or draw a card when an elephant does a thing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely cool. I just think it's a it's the another I think it's neat kind of deal. Yeah. Um and this gets us to our last card for this deck, which is uh, a doozy. This is Emergent Woodworm. Uh, this is a four four worm for seven mana, six and a green. Uh that seems like not a lot, you might say. So it has backup three. So when it ETBs, put three plus one plus one counters on a creature you control, and then it gets the following ability. Whenever this creature attacks, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is its power. You may put a permanent card with mana value X or less 
from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So Emergent Woodworm, 7 mana, 4, 4, backup 3. So it, it will get to do this on subsequent turns. Um, if you don't put the counters on it, that's just 4. Uh, or you can put the counters on it and then it's 7. Uh, how do you feel about this? What do you, where where do you want to put this? Um, so it's kind of a... I think this is like not an appealing design outside of like a few very narrow lists. I was thinking in Xenagos uh, or rather Xenagod. Yeah. Cause like you, I mean that deck, it runs some ramp. You can get to seven. Uh, it comes down, you back itself up. So it becomes a seven, seven Xenagos pumps it. Um, you attack and then you get to look through the top 14 cards, your library for a big guy and drop it on the battlefield. And like, X being 14 or less, like, yeah, you probably won't hit Malignus, but you'll hit, like, literally every other creature in the deck. So that seems decent. It's not as good at getting in as most of the creatures in Xenagos, but it is, I mean, hitting someone for 14 and getting a free card seems pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. I I think there's probably, it's not hard to set up a turn where you, like, pay 7 back up something else in like some other deck and like get to look at like the top 10 of your library and get the biggest thing like there's a bunch of decks that can do that but it's just like well how many of them are running like creatures big enough to really make it worthwhile to drop yeah whereas that's kind of what drew me to Zenigos is like he's gonna run a bunch of like six and seven drops that are just like insane and terrifying when they come in yeah, maybe like my all the anima if people are still playing that, you know. Okay. Yeah. Maybe a Gishath or something. Gishath would attack for what ten here, so you get even more free dinos. Is that even worth it? Probably not. It's a worm. Yeah. Yeah. Talking myself out of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's pretty much it for this deck. We got one more deck. Um, and this is Tinker Time. So this is uh it Tamur Colors for some reason. It's blue, uh green, blue, red. And I guess, yeah, let's just start <laughs> getting into this one. This one, I'll have a lot of thoughts to share about it. So our, our face commander is Gimbal Gremlin Prodigy, a 4-4 Gremlin Artificer for 5 mana, 2 green, blue, red. Gimbal says, artifact creatures you control have trample, and at the beginning of your end step, create a 0-0 red Gremlin Artifact Creature Tokens. Oh, it really does say that. At the beginning of your end step, create a 0-0 red gremlin artifact creature token. Put X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the number of differently named artifact tokens you control. Uh, okay, I got there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will just hop in and say, like, this is not a design that appeals to me. No, um, not at all. I don't think that, like, getting one vanilla dude per turn is worth the effort of like you know creating a whole bunch of different tokens like this is not exciting for me i also don't care about giving my artifact guys trample yeah i was gonna say like how many ways are there to give trample in like especially green that yeah are easy or free or draw you a card or card neutral 
So like, why would I just want that in my command zone? And then the, the reward I get for like having an incubate token and a clue and a food and a treasure and a gold is like a five, five <laughs> like, <laughs> for five. Like, really? Like that's, I don't even, it doesn't even do anything. <laughs> like it, it tramples if my commander is there. Like that's, it's pretty lackluster. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty low on, on gimbal. It's kind of weird that they expanded this into teamer, but I, I mean, I get it. Cause you know, investigate is blue, green, um, treasure is blue, green, red. There's like a lot of these tokens exist across these colors. So, I just wish the uh, effect was a little bit uh, more robust, you know, especially for five mana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next commander, and maybe this one will be more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Rashmi and Ragavan. One green, blue, red for a 2-4 legendary creature elf monkey. Whenever you cast your first spell during each of your turns, exile the top card of target opponent's library, and... Then you may, oh, and create a treasure token. Then you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost if it's a spell with mana value less than the number of artifacts you control. If you don't cast it this way, you may cast it this turn. Um, so, well, uh, when I first read this, I didn't see the each of your turns part. Um, but so this yeah. is really only, you get like potentially one free spell off of one opponent's library once per like once per round of turns um and there's not like a ton of direction in the deck like yeah you'll probably like try to fit in some artifact lands and mana rocks maybe some treasure production but i don't think it's going to be that difficult to get to a number of artifacts where just like whatever you flip you're likely to be able to cast mm-hmm. um and then you can run things like lantern of insight or field of dreams um to be able to see like your opponent's top card of their library so you know like who to target but this deck just like bores the hell out of me how how do you feel no i pretty much feel the same way i feel like this deck running on all cylinders is just like i don't know like a worse atali or something like that like like you have to do so much to get free spells and to make sure you're hitting something that you want to hit and if that's the case like why not just run good spells in your own deck like why not do something that's proactive towards your own strategy i just really don't care about (laughs) what this is doing if this was once per turn then you know then i'd have a lot more to say about it then it would be worth jumping through the hoop getting the lantern in play um having a lot of instants and stuff like that, but the fact that it's on your turn once per round, like, what am I doing? Like, I could just be running Halden and Paco and doing this for uh, the low, low price of attacking with my gigantic dog, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, there's no reason to be working this hard <laughs> in Timur to get this, so... Yeah, really kind of upset. So both the commanders in this deck, just uh, not not feeling at all. Not very happy about. Yep, uh, I'm right there with you. But let's move on to the main deck cards and see how we feel about those. 
First up, we got Schema Thief. This is three and a blue for a 3-3 creature, Videlkin Rogue Artificer. It has flying, and when it deals combat damage to a player, create a token that's a copy of target artifact that player controls. I mean, you can run like Liquimetal Torque. Kind of, it's kind of like low opportunity cost to run that. But there's really not enough ways to kind of control your opponents, like whether your opponents have artifacts. Um, so it seems like this, yeah, you might get a soul ring, but there's games where this could get nothing. I don't kind of the same problem I have with this card is, is the problem I have with like Rashmi and, and Ragavan in that I just am not super excited to play off my opponent's library. Um, you could, if you're like, if anyone's still running like Memnark, then he can make things into artifacts for you to copy with Schema Thief. But otherwise, I don't love this card. What do you think about it? I'm kind of right there with you. I do love that it's a rogue with flying. Um, love me some some prowl going on there. But uh, it's really, yeah, like not doing too much. Like if you can get a soul ring every turn, boom. Like I feel like that's almost the best case scenario with this. Um, so I would really be looking to play this index that already were doing something with liquid metal torque or could like turn things into artifacts or uh, stuff like that of which you have you've noted there's not a lot of them so um i don't think this is an awful card i just think this doesn't really do a lot in the format right now it's kind of where i'm at with it so yeah i'm good to move on if you are okay uh next up we've got dance with calamity this is seven red so eight mana for a sorcery shuffle your library as many times as you choose you may exile the top card of your library the total mana value of the cards exiled this way is 13 or less. You may cast any number of spells from among those cards without paying their mana costs. Uh, what are your thoughts on this card? I think if you know what you're doing, like if you built a deck full of like red X, like low cost spells, yeah, you're going to be able to cast this and get a bunch of value off it probably cost cast like well like six seven ish cards for free but if you are just putting this in a red deck like there's just more ways to get value out of it because you do have to get close to that 13 to make your eight mana like worth it you know and and like yes you are going to get multiple cards worth of value but like you'll be at nine and hit a five drop. There you go. Yeah. Um, and it's, and then it's over, you know, like if you don't build your deck around it, that's just decks have a varied curve, t- typically speaking. Yeah. It's a little weird. Um, maybe like in a deck, like say Magnus, the red or um, like Mizzix, what is your, I think, like your Magnus deck, what does your curve look like? Would it's you be able? Huge, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the the other one, the Mizix, I think might be able to uh, do this a little bit better. Or, um, but even then, like I would rather, I would probably rather just like try to because the thing is, the whole shtick with Mizix is that your spells get significantly reduced anyway. So, like being able to cast the spells you flip without paying their mana cost 
isn't as much of a benefit in Mizix in the first place. Yeah. I was thinking, um, um, what's the Zerzoth, the devil guy? Like, it's probably running just a lot of red things that are low to the ground to just make devils happen or attack and stuff like that. So, or wheels aren't too much. Like, I was thinking colors that aren't, aren't in a blue identity that really need the value that are low to the ground. Um, what's like but, a, is there like a Rakdos commander that is just super low down? Uh, I mean, maybe, but like, I just, you know, if, if my deck is like, you know, 90% cheap spells um, and I'm only sliding in a couple like expensive cards, then I don't think I want like Dance with Calamity to be what I put in for my eight drop, you know? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Because, because like, you know, I could do, I could get random value off this card, or I could like try to win the game with something like a like an insurrection or a spectacular showdown or just something really big instead yeah. of let's play blackjack, you know? Um. You know what I think uh, might work? Uh, what, what are you thinking? You could play this in a Baron Von Count deck and just count to five in like <laughs> one go. <laughs> okay. That's probably would end up working pretty well. All right. That, that, is, that is cute. I like that. Um, but I, yeah, I can't, I'm trying, I'm really, really raking my brain here to find another commander I would want to. Does anybody play Captain Ripley Vance? Uh, is that like a deck that people are into? I assume it's not. <laughs> it's not highly popular, no. It might be, I mean, it might be fine in there because you're guaranteed going to hit at least three cards. But um, what, what are like people. Oh, people are playing it as like a punch you deck. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Then also, like, you know, Ripley Vance, like, you kind of want to drop her on turn three. Yeah. And then, like, play a whole bunch of spells quickly. It's like, what's your. It's going to be a long time before you cast your eight drop, you know? That's, yeah, that's true. She's not really getting, ramping that out too super good. Uh, okay. I think we've huh. sp- spent a lot of time <laughs> on a card that. I, we have failed to prove is good, uh, so but perhaps we can move on. Yeah, yeah. D- did we mention that if you want to spend eight man on the spell to win, you could just spectacular showdown? I did. We did mention that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Because you should yeah. definitely cast spectacular showdown. Um, and now I'm moving on. All right. What's this next one? Yeah. This is Hedron Detonator. This is a two three goblin artificer for three mana, two and a red. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, Hedron Detonator deals one damage to target opponent. And tap, sacrifice two artifacts, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. Um I well you go first and then I'll I'll say, because I think I like this more than you do, but I there's one particular phrase where this card gets gets the downgraded, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think the target opponent absolutely kills this for me. Like Reckless Fireweaver, Ingenious Artillerist, both of those say each opponent. Um, but like just dealing damage to one opponent, but like we can clearly get this effect 
way but way better like on a common uh for the same or less mana so why are we wasting our time with this card and then the second ability like you know that is a pretty bad rate um compared to something like uh brea's what is it um brea's apprentice oh yeah yeah the yeah i think it is brea's apprentice yeah, or or even like uh, Dark Dweller or- Oracles, just like the idea of sacrificing something crappy to impulse draw for one. Um, you can get that at a better rate than this. So stapling like two bad versions of effects you can get more efficiently elsewhere onto a same card when like is not enough to get me excited about it. I get that. I I think I'm probably going to play this in my Streffen list just because it gets so many counters that like looking at somebody and going like uh doing some stuff, all right, take 2, take 3, take 2, ending my turn, take 4. That's a lot. Like people can't deal with that much damage that many turns in a row. I'm not sure if that will like make that deck particularly a target. <laughs> It for people well how are you like dealing four you're doing, like four instances of one uh yeah so uh yeah exactly so like you play a card you get two treasure let's two damage go into somebody's face you okay. uh do another card you get a treasure that's one more damage going in their face you end the turn you make four blood that's four damage going to somebody's face so like how many turns on top of like the, what you're doing normally right so like having things that tap the blood for damage, having creatures that are attacking, having spells that drain life or whatever. Um, so like how many turns can somebody survive that? It just seems like a way to make a bunch of like crappy tokens into damage, even if it's not the best possible rate in that deck. Um, but I definitely agree. Like I'm probably not playing this in like Kibo who does make a lot of artifact tokens, but like, doesn't really care about this i'm not really trying to sacrifice them to play cards like you know like i I feel like there is a very fine line on like where i would want to play this and where not and i feel like most decks i probably wouldn't like you probably wouldn't play this in prosper right Mm -hmm. no i wouldn't i actually took out brea's apprentice from that deck um (laughs) I, i just think there's enough good and fast or and like less fragile options for repeatable um impulse draw yeah no that that is the thing i think nowadays we're uh getting to the point where like we can be choosy finally and it's a wonderful feeling you know Mm -hmm. it's very nice um so yeah i guess that's hedron detonator do you want to move on to this next guy sure uh next card is pain distributor it is two and a red for a two three creature devil citizen with menace whenever a player casts their first spell each turn they create a treasure token Whenever an artifact an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, Pain Distributor deals one damage to that player. Um, <clears throat> so I don't think there's a ton of places like this. And you can kind of um, break the symmetry on this if you're playing a deck like Boral and Karizev or um, Jory N, Ruin Diver, that like wants to cast at least one spell on each player's turn. So you can kind of milk it that way, but like your opponents are also kind of doing instant speed. Um, 
then you're you're still back to like giving them away more than you're getting. Um, like there are some decks. I think there's like uh one or two decks from Streets of Nukapenna where the commander is like giving away treasure, and this might be a card for those decks to try to like punish your opponents for using the treasure that you give them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just uh don't love this card i would mm, yeah i don't love it how do you feel about it um i i'm fine with this card i i'm more okay with giving stuff away than you are but um i feel like if you have this and uh, i have to remember the name there's the goblin that was a commander card in the set boosters in uh oh yeah uh, in dominaria that that guy was nuts yeah so if, if you have a, like a critical mass of these guys um that just like really make it painful like imagine you tap a treasure to make mana and you take three for it you know like you have mm-hmm. you look over at my board and i have a pain distributor and the the two mana goblin and like something else that deals damage when you sack an artifact and you're just like wow this is all of a sudden these are a chore <laughs> to mm-hmm. to deal with i've that's fine so like hitting a critical mass of that and like punishing people for treasure production i think that's fine um i think it's funny that this makes anyone create the treasure i think that's like cute part of the card and this probably is going to go in my kibo deck which is doing that anyway this probably goes in like jolene you know where uh you're getting a lot more out of it than your opponents are and you're kind of just beating the crap out of them while you're doing it um i can't really think of other places that want this though you know because if you only want one of these effects you're going to play that goblin so let me remember the name of that goblin uh so sardian avenger is a (laughs) sardian avenger is a that we've been just talking about it the whole time is a one one goblin warrior for two mana one and a red uh, has first strike and trample uh they get plus x plus o until end of turn when it attacks or x is the number of artifacts your opponents control so all of them not just the one you're attacking and then whenever an artifact an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield sardine avenger deals one damage to that player just like a gnarly one like goblin this is a good two drop yeah like also i like that it sort of punishes your opponents twice like whereas with pain distributor they can just like not sack the treasures yeah that's nothing true nothing bad will happen to them whereas sardine avenger is like oh you're going to keep your treasures well then i'm going to hit you way harder enjoy yeah. this yeah exactly um, the first strike is so good on this guy yeah so like yeah i, I kind of like the damned if you do damned if you don't part of sardine avenger um whereas yeah pain distributor i'm just not feeling like it's giving my opponents a choice would you like to have mana or take damage um or neither or they, <laughs> these objects just stay on your board how about that third option yeah, yeah. Which, which is why i think in kibo it's good because there's so much just like artifact destruction that like okay yeah you got a treasure even if you don't use it i'm gonna blow it up like mm. and then my monkeys get big and it's all good so there's if you if you have a deck if you're listening to us talk about this and you have a deck where you're like oh i would love pain distributor in x then please let us know i would love to hear about it um but we're almost done with these decks so let's get to um the next path do you want me to read this one off go for it so this is path of the animist so path of the animist is a four mana sorcery three and a green 
It says search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle, and then it has Will of the Planeswalkers. So you do the thing where you, everybody votes and you chaos or planeswalk and blah, blah, blah. So this is a rare in the set. Do you think Will of the Planeswalkers makes this appreciably better than an Explosive Veggies? Absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> which is even in the set, in the main set, there is a battle at Uncommon that gives you way more value than this, and it's mm-hmm. an Uncommon. So yeah. this uh, seems like a waste. I mean, I get why they're doing it. They want like to make it so that the the plane chase stuff happens more often. So they're going to stick it on staple effects. But why? Why not? Like, make good. this. Why not make this like? not basic lands then or like why, why not juice it somehow you know because then it'll like people will take it out of the hands of people who want to play plane chase <sighs> I, I know it sucks <sighs> yeah i think Whatever. the seven people who want to play plane chase with me are gonna be able to get their hands on these cards you know yeah. like, even if they were good that's probably true um yeah. anyway let's move on <laughs> yeah well actually here's here's an argument from the other direction if it does if it is a staple like you you put two lands on the battlefield for four mana then the people who would just want to play it because it's a powerful card they're also going to get pulled in the other direction like the the price will be increased by the the seven people who do want to play plane chase and buy it for that reason oh okay so it's it's punishing those people who wanted it for the intended purpose by being more expensive well no i'm saying it's punishing if it's good it's punishing the people who want just like this good staple by making it more expensive because of the plane chase people. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Because I'm I'm just concerned about my own in group here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah. I'll you know what I'll accept it. Um, and let's move on. Can I read off this next uh, green four drop? Yes, please. This is Sandstep War Riders. They are a four four human warrior with trample for four three and a green. Sandstep Warrider says, at the beginning of combat on your turn, bolster X, where X is the number of differently named artifact tokens you control. Um, I, I mean, I don't really know where I want to put this. I don't know if there's any other, I think this is probably the only deck in the format, this gimbal deck that cares about, like, differently named tokens. Yeah, because it doesn't, like... Okay, bolster X, like let's say I'm bolstering four, you know, like I mm-hmm. play this, I enter combat, I bolster four. Great. <laughs> like, what do I, so I'm just hitting, like, I guess that's eight power for four uh, and you can do it again. I guess, I guess it's good with extra combats. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really think I want this. It's not good in most decks. Like yeah. most decks aren't doing this. Yeah, this is not a great reward. Um, and it's the hoop it asks you to jump through is very small. So I don't I'm not a fan of this card. Yeah, I guess if you are playing a deck with Academy Manufacturer, like the whole mm-hmm. point is to get Academy Manufacturer, maybe this becomes worth it. Like if you what deck has Academy Manufacturer and like extra combats? Like uh Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know, new Atali or something. I don't know. I'm gonna let's let's keep on going. All right, this is the last card, the last new card in this precon. Um, 
And this is Cutthroat Negotiator. It's two blue-red for a 4-3 creature orc pirate. And it has Parlay. So whenever Cutthroat Negotiator attacks, each player reveals the top card of their library. For each non-land card revealed this way, you create a tapped treasure token. Then each player draws a card. Um, my thoughts about this card are like, I would rather not give away three cards, even if it means not that I'm not getting 2.4 tapped treasures. Um, that's how I feel about this. What are your <laughs> thoughts? No, I'm pretty much there. Like I'm, I definitely am more into giving stuff away, but this is like, not like, if I just got a treasure, if this was like get four treasure, draw a card, and then like if this was get four treasure, everyone draws a card, maybe I'd be like a little higher on it because that's like a pretty big swing in your direction on your turn at your control. But like it's not <laughs> it's at all. It's it's a, an attack trigger that gets you, yeah, two point something treasures maybe on average so yeah i'm just not not high on this card at all i I don't really think i'm gonna play it which sucks because there's only so many blue and red pirates (laughs) uh, i'm playing with and i would like some better ones yeah uh so now that we've gone through the entirety of the tinker time deck and and all its commanders and cards did you like any of these cards (laughs) Uh, the only card that I, well, I liked the two red guys, the Hedron Detonator and the Pain Distributor for specifically one deck. Um, and that was it. And then everything else kind of blew, you know, (laughs) like there's no anything that's super exciting. I feel like everything is like pretty low on, uh, on the power level scale. So, and, and this is true too, if you look at, like, we don't normally talk about this, um, but like the professor does the like, should I buy these episodes on the Tolarian Community College channel? They're very good if you're looking, if you're like on the fence about buying a product because he's very like uh, fair about like price and power level and stuff. And this deck basically fails on reprints. This deck fails on new cards. This deck fails on like how it plays. Uh, so yeah, I'm just not like they, they, if they were going to do something like this, like make this new like, artifact token archetype into mirror like why did they shoot so low here it just sucks you know yeah uh this i really don't understand who this deck is for and if i was a petty person i would try to find out who was responsible for designing (laughs) well we can uh we can or listeners can do that if they want this is this is deck this deck we're about to talk about is called Divine Convocation. It's a blue, red, white, so just guy. Um, and it has a very different theme that I think people might gel with a little bit more. So do you want to uh, read off the face commander? Yeah, this is Kasla the Broken Halo. Three blue, red, white for a 5-4 legendary creature, Angel Ally. She has Convoke. Uh, she has Flying, Vigilance, and Haste. And whenever you cast another spell that has Convoke, scry two and then draw a card. Um, so this is a, a pretty neat commander. Um, yeah, the the mana value is six, but you're often going to get it down before then. 
I would build this deck with just like a billion um, token generators to sort of ramp out my commander and then also give me mana once she's out. Um, you want to run, you like really do not get to be very choosy with the convoke spell that's that you're running though. <laughs> no, yeah, not at all. Um, they just are not like there weren't many in this color identity initially and, and really most, I feel like most of the like red convoke cards were printed in March of the machine. Um, same for most of the blue convoke cards. So it's just really not a deep field. Um, so you obviously want to be choosing the ones that go that are like lowest in their mana value um, so that you can cast more of them, get more of these powerful cast triggers, the, the scry to draw card. Um, even though there are not a lot of them, you are like the fact that you're scrying two before you're drawing mean, makes it a lot easier to chain them because that's helping you dig a set up to three cards deep. Um, this is, I'll say that like the best card in the deck is Jeskai Ascendancy and it's like not particularly close. <laughs> um, this deck is like very light on the creature count. Most of your convoke things are just um, non-creature spells. And so every time you cast them, you untap your guys, you get to draw a card and discard a card, you get to scry two and draw a card. You're like, this is the most important card and I'm. it might be it's probably worth it to run tutors just to find it more consistently. Um, yeah, it, it seems like a, a fun deck. Um, really neat gameplay style. Like Drum Bellower is pretty good here. Um, like White Plume Adventurer is good here. Just ways to like untap your guys and, and get more mana out of them over the course of a round of turns. Um, any... Any more thoughts on this deck? Um, Granting things convoke. There's a handful of cards that do that, and it's they all just generate huge amounts of mana. So, like, you really want to run your invasion of Segovia here. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the the thing about this deck is like if you, uh, it's like deceptively strong. So, like, if you do um, kind of jam, which which I think is correct. So, like, if you jam all these convoke spells and especially like the cheap ones, like the crowd's favors, the red for an instant with convoke that says target creature gets plus one plus so on first strike until in turn normally like awful. Right. But when it's free, like tap a red creature to scry to draw a card, give it plus one plus so, um, that is way, 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 way better. So, um, you'll end up with a bunch of tokens that end up being really big and attacking for a lot of damage. So I, that's this is like the perfect design for something like this for me. You're like, I am rewarded duly for making a bunch of tokens, putting a bunch of Convoke spells in my deck, and it's going to play out well. I really like that Benny Brax Zoologist from uh, the Nukepenna Commander but set booster cards. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like uh, has Convoked for this yeah perfect for this deck not only does he draw you a card he draws you more cards when you make your tokens he has convoke himself um there's just a bunch of stuff and then there's a bunch of cards in this set that are pretty good there's the um new like meeting of the minds the four mana draw to at instant speed with convoke like mm -hmm. we already liked that card and i'm happy to play it here too when it draws me three cards and scries two and does a bunch of stuff um so yeah just this deck is cool, super high on it. Um really into these things. I 
uh, also love a Jeskai deck that doesn't just combo out completely. <laughs> <laughs> love when they print just a fun but powerful Jeskai deck instead of another Elsha of the Infinite who just has a one-card combo <laughs> waiting yeah. for you. Um, anyway, do I want to get into the next uh, commander? Do you want me to read this one off? Go for it. So this is Saint Traft and Rem Carolus. They are a 3-4 spirit human for 3 mana, blue, red, white. Uh, they have just a, a bunch of text on them. So whenever Saint Traft and Rem Carolus become tapped, create a 1-1 one, one red human creature token. If this is the first time this ability is resolved this turn, if it's the second time, create a 1-1 one, one blue spirit creature token with flying. And if it's the third time, create a 4-4 four, four white angel creature token with flying. Uh, and then they also have whenever you cast a spell that has Convoke, Untap, Saint Traft, and Rem Corollas. So good in the deck we just talked about, the Kazla, the Broken Halo. Uh, also, just a cool commander. I really like this guy a lot. Um, so yeah, do you want to mention some some key pieces? Yeah, there's a lot of overlap between the cards that are good in Saint Traft and Rem Corollas and the cards that are good in Kasla. Like Jeskai Ascendancy is also naturally pretty good here. Um, you're going to also want to run a lot of Convoke spells or at least some, a couple good ones. Um, Relic of Legends is great here because it's a uh, tap and untap legendary creature you control, add one mana of any color. So that's an alternative way to like get value out of your Saint Traft and, and, make tokens especially like on your opponent's turns where you might not have as many like instants with convoke just because there like literally aren't any or aren't many um and then you're yeah you're also going to want like drum bellower white plume adventurer probably so that you can get your your tokens on each opponent's turn as well um that's kind of where i'm at with the card i don't know if you've got anything you want to add to that no, I, I was looking for some other stuff. I think um, putting in things that work with this, so like if you're making a bunch of guys, like a thing like Arch- Archangel of Tithes is pretty funny because you can kind of control what's going on there and then get in really big. That's a card that I th- feel like a lot of people forgot about. That's always been pretty good for me. There might be some silly things you can do with like an Afeto Alchemist or something like that, or um, even just like an Aurelia the War Leader and extra combats will give you the tokens because he untaps and you get to attack again. So there's like a bunch of silly things that you can do with this deck, and I'm pretty down. I'm pretty into it. So yeah, untap effects, extra combats, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, both of these commanders I'm I'm pretty into. I, I really like. Uh, it seems like they like flexed their brains really hard on this deck in a way that like I've come to expect from these commander decks and these commander commanders, but like why not the teamer one? I don't know. Uh, I don't get it. Um, anyway, can I read off this next card? Mm-hmm. So this is Nesting Dovehawk, which is a hilarious name for me. I don't know why. I don't know what plane this is on. I don't know why this is fighting the Phyrexians. I don't know what's going on here. But it's a 2-2 bird for 4 mana, 3 and a white. A Hess flying, and it says, at the beginning, at the beginning of combat on your turn, populate. Whenever a creature token enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on nesting dovehawk. Uh, okay. I mean, 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I, a two, two flyer that gets bigger, that gives me a free populate trigger is not the worst. You know, I, there's a few decks I'd play that in. Yeah. I'm thinking like, uh, white commanders that make token copies of good cards. So like Radadravic, Hoffrey Ghostforge, Cadric Soul Kindler. Um, those are the first ones that come to mind. Um, like it is better than most of the like repeatable populate cards. I think there's like an enchantment yeah. that populates like on your upkeep or something for four mana. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about for this card. I don't know if there's any other uses like you would. No, I think you hit the, the nail on the head. Um, I think you you nailed it with like the main token producers is where I went to, but I was uh bad and did not check on other other decks that might want a producer like that. Does um I guess you could play it in Girid. Doesn't really matter there though. There's there's like a lot of oh well, if you're doing Galta and Maverin from this set, then you make dinosaurs if you chose to go big. This is probably good there too, because then you're getting big dinos over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's kinda it. <laughs> I don't really think there's too much more to say about this. Um which gets us to the final path we're going to talk about. All right, this is Path of the Ghost Hunter. It is X1 and a white for a sorcery. Create X11 white spirit creature tokens with flying and it has the will of the planeswalker text, you know what I'm talking about, blah blah blah. Um so I think this rate is like probably a little bit too fair for me to be psyched about playing this card. What do you think? Uh, I think it's fair. I think it's still fine. You know, I, I, I think if someone plays this in their token list, cause like one, one flyers are a decent amount better than like one, one soldiers or one, one warriors. Um, just because any buff they get is probably getting in there. So I, it's fine. This is fair. And I'm happy with that. You know, most of these were, well, yeah, I would say there's like two of these I'm very happy about. One of them I'm going to play anyway, and then two that were really bad. This is one of the ones that like, it's fine. I'm probably going to play it in some lists. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much where I'm at with it. <laughs> All right. This next card, I actually like a fair bit. Um, This is Wand of the World Soul. It's two and a white for an artifact. It enters the battlefield tapped. It taps for a white, and it has tap. The next spell you cast this turn has convoke. Um, so this is pretty interesting. I'm I'm kind of like thinking of it as the white cryptolith, right? Um, you can't use the mana for everything. Um, you really, it's only like good for one spell per turn, but it is a way to like convert or like get value out of all the creatures you have floating around in a white deck. Um, but what do you, what do you think about this card? Am I right to be high on it or do you disagree? What do you no, think? I I'm super down. I think that um, there's a decent amount of decks where this is going to do like a lot of work. I think in like Abdel Adrian decks, this can turbo out cards for you pretty quick, depending on if you're doing like a token theme or not. Um, or like an Adeline or something like that. You can imagine like you go turn two, uh, or you you play your Adeline, get some guys, 
cast this and then cast something else for free that turn, basically, because you tapped a bunch of guys and then attacked someone with Adeline to get your more guys. And then you just win the next turn or something. You cast like a Cathar's Crusade for like the low, low price of like tapping five of your guys that you're getting at an insane rate. Like that seems wild to me. And that's a pretty normal play pattern. Kadira, Caller of the Small, um, get those overruns really, really, really fast in your mm-hmm. list. Um, Because that deck is just off the rails making tokens. And then even stuff like Amara Soul the Accord, you know, the two mana Amara that taps to make a token. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're turn two or turn three or whatever, like you're just getting a huge amount of value. Uh, General Ferris, Rockrick, you know, uh, the golems he makes are red and white, like artifact golems, which normally you want to attack with, but there might be a reason to not do that, or like fully siffing a silver quill. It just really does seem like there's so many decks that want to, that can use the Convoke on this card that I will pay three mana to make that happen. You know, like there that that's scratching the surface of what is possible with this card. Um, like imagine uh, you're playing a Marath will of the wild and you made a bunch of tokens and then you just tap all the tokens to play your Marath again, you know, like that's, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> you know, there's, there's like a ton of like play patterns like that where you're, getting a ton of value for zero mana because you decided to play this three drop artifact so i'm yeah i'm just super down very happy with it um this is the kind of three drop mana rock i'm really excited to play Mm -hmm. so Uh, yeah i okay sounds good i i also like this card and that's i'm ready to move on to the next one though yeah i could Um, keep talking about it forever let's keep moving (laughs) Uh, next up we've got deluxe dragster it is four and a blue for an artifact vehicle it can't be blocked except by vehicles when it deals combat damage to a player you may cast target instant or sorcery card from that player's graveyard without paying its mana cost if that sabelle would be put into a graveyard exile it instead it has crew two and it's a four three um what do you what do you think about this card um so (laughs) i don't know where i would put this i think back in the day so i had a friend who made a rexial the risen deep deck um who then moved away and just gave me the deck when they moved away which is very sweet i had that deck together for a long time i would upgrade it over the years when they would come into town i'd I'd let them play the deck and stuff like that um because it was you know it was theirs um took it apart eventually just because it was like too slow for just how everybody played magic at that point in time but this is the kind of card that i liked putting in that deck where uh you could get a bunch of value out of milling everybody i don't really know where i would put this now um i have like a crazy idea about it um that i'm not sure will work like i'm gonna have to throw it together when i am at summer break (laughs) for this year um basically the idea that i was thinking of was i made two red blue spell slinger decks um magnus the red was obviously very good and fun and and powerful the other one was zephy thunder conductor because i realized they wanted different cards zephy is not good (laughs) (laughs) i've played that deck a few times now there's probably some tweakings i could do to make it better 
but uh, has played pretty poorly compared to like most other Is it decks that I've played in the last year, of which I've made them a, a few of them, probably more than I should be proud of. There is a Zafai deck that I was thinking about that mills everybody out and casts spells out of their graveyards for free. I'm wondering, like, would this be good in there? Because then you're getting like four fours and scrying and whatever without having to like do a bunch of work. But I don't know if that's good. It would probably be like more funny than anything. That's it. That's the only thing that this card has made me think about because I can't think of like, you're not going to play it in Phoenix. You know, you're not going to play it in, I don't know, what blue commander has two power that mills cards. <laughs> maybe in like, um, maybe in like an omen keel deck because um, that wants you to be playing, it's, you know, it's blue. It wants you to be playing vehicles. This like does produce some value but like the omen kill it's exiling cards it's not milling them so it's not it doesn't have like enormous not a synergy of, yeah um, anyway what a weird yeah. card yeah and and odd to put it in this deck where like it's not like this deck has synergy with artifacts or with vehicles or or, or milling mm-hmm. doesn't make sense yeah it doesn't make sense at all so can i read off this next one go for it yeah, sorry for talking way too long about that card again. <laughs> this is Flock Chaser Phantom. So Flock Chaser Phantom is a 5-5 five, five spirit for 6 mana, 4 white-blue, but it has Convoke. Uh, it also has Flying and Vigilance, and whenever Flock Chaser Phantom attacks, the next spell you cast this turn has Convoke. Uh, heck yes. Oh, yeah, love it. So this comes down pretty quick. So let's say you play like a Dragon Fodder variant on turn 2. Uh, on turn three, you play some other token producer, play land, or whatever. Like, this is either coming down that turn or the next turn, and then everything you cast after that is like super discounted because you have all these crappy tokens coming. Like, mm-hmm. that seems awesome. That's a really cool play pattern. Uh, I'm super down for this guy. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I mean, he's kind of like a, again, like a Cryptolith writer, like a Sentinel Hierophants. Um, and I'm pretty into this card. It is cute that he has vigilance so that like he is producing mana himself as well. Um, yeah, cool card. And I'm happy to move on to the next one. Yeah, play it in your token decks. Um, so yeah. yeah, this next one is Mist Meadow Vanisher. This is a 3-2 Kithkin Wizard for 3 mana, 2 then hybrid white blue. So 2 generic and then a hybrid white blue. Uh, so this 3-2, what does it do? It says whenever Mist Meadow Vanisher becomes tapped, exile up to one target non-land, non-token permanent. Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So every time you tap this, you can exile a like non-land, like actual card, and then uh, bring it back. So you can't exile tokens. Uh, I think they did that specifically so you can't eat like incubate <laughs> tokens or something when these decks are playing together but oh sure uh because there's like not really a reason to do that most of the time you know like why not it's just like a biodome know? decision yeah and that's my guess because like why not just say non-land permanent you know mm-hmm. so but this is a blink card you three mana tap this like blink some stuff um, but it's also notable that you can do it offensively because it returns at its owner's end step. So you could like tap this to cast a spell with your Convoke deck or just attack with it. And then the thing that you exiled 
doesn't come back until the player like players end step. So let's say there's some permanent that's really messing with you, like a propaganda or something like that. You can exile the propaganda. Everyone has a chance to attack that player and then it comes back at the end of their turn. So this is pretty cool. I think this is uh, pretty strong in a few different decks. You had a few listed that you wanted to mention. Yeah, so the new Wrath Capuchin that where you like cast instants and sorceries and like tap your untapped creatures to draw a card makes sense there. A Belisarius Call can also like tap guys for value. Um, Tokasia from uh, the Brothers War, she gives all your guys uh, surveil and or like tap to surveil. Um, so that's another easy way to tap this. And I would just say like so. Those commanders are able to, they give you the mechanism for tapping it, but you're also just need to make sure that you have good blink targets. And I don't know if all of those decks are running them, but there's <laughs> certainly got a lot of good like ETB creatures in this color identity, you know, Lord of the Third Path, Skyclave Apparition, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I think there are probably some builds of those commanders out there that can get good use of it. I don't, I certainly like don't want to attack with it i don't want to like yeah i'm not expecting to attack with it in order to get my my triggers yeah i mean you like obviously you could if you're like desperate or something but yeah this this goes in a lot of decks where you are going to be tapping it for value some other way um so i i'm definitely high on this card this is really cool which gets us to the next one which is the last card we're going to talk about today the last new card so this is wildfire awakener so this is a 3-2 human wizard for X, 1 red, white. So 3 and an X. Uh, well, it has Convoke, so makes it a little bit easier on you. And it says, whenever Wildfire Awakener enters the battlefield, create X, 1-1 one, one red elemental creature tokens with whenever this creature becomes tapped, it deals 1 damage to target player. Uh, I'm in. <laughs> this is cool. I'm I'm super down. If you're playing this in the Convoke deck, that's really cute. If you're just playing it as like a token producer, it's really like pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm in. You got me. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm down to play this in like token decks in this color identity, like Jetmir, because you're trying to reach that threshold of nine. You're gonna have like a lot of guys down early, and this will, you know, get you most of the way to that nine. If you've got you know, if you got like five guys down, you can cast, you can just, without even tapping any other mana, you can get this guy and two more tokens and then Jetmir is the ninth. So perfect. Um, and then it's also really good in Ginny Fey since your dogs have vigilance. So you can attack with these like three, one vigilance dogs and then tap them to convoke this guy out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm everything you said. Yeah, and and this is just also good in any other. What's the Naya Nail it? What's the Naeli Naeli? Yeah, there you go. That we just got. This is good there. Uh, this is good. And I don't know any like Boros turn sideways commander is going to be happy with a guy that just makes X one ones. You know, it's can't go wrong with that kind of production. So. Uh, that's it. So now, all of this said, um, what's your favorite deck, and 
uh, I guess we know our least favorite deck, so that's not a fun <laughs> question. But what's your uh, what's your favorite deck, and then how do you feel about the decks overall? Okay, favorite deck. Um, oh, that's tough. I think that like in terms of value, the Brimaz deck looks pretty good. Um, you get like two staples. There's a lot of there's some neat cards in there. Um, even though I don't. I'm not in love with the commanders, but they they put some spice in the main deck. That's uh, true, and then yeah. in, and then in terms of just like overall theme and like good commanders, I do really like the convoke deck. Um, I think both of those commanders are cool, and just playing with convoke is fun. Um, what about you? What are you? And and you know my least favorite deck. So yeah. what are your <laughs> favorite decks? Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I think convoke is my favorite deck out of all of these. Like the the cards in it, the play patterns, the commanders they design for it super fun super down um i think it like even though brimez had the cool card advantage you can it's pretty easy to seduce me with a jeskai deck where i can not i can do what it's asking and not combo accidentally (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of right where i want to be that's where i always am trying to shoot for um so that that's kind of where i'm at there i actually do really like the um the nihilist this time like i i I think for whatever reason bright palm like scratches an itch that like other naya plus one plus one counters decks haven't really done for me i think it's like the play pattern seems nice but it's not like i'm gonna rush out to make it this is like if it ends up sitting on my deck for a while or uh my desk for a while i might end up making it but uh and then it has like the scale lord and uh the mirror style master which i'm pretty into and path of the pyromancer the uncivil unrest a bunch of cards that i'm just like super already down for so mm-hmm. um but overall like how are you feeling about this because i there's there's a lot to say about these designs in general you know i i'm starting to feel like the precons aren't for me like two of these themes are just like really not appealing um or just they they're like starting to retread ground that they've done many times before like yeah. like how many plus and plus one counter precons have we seen yeah. <laughs> um at this point uh like and that's okay like i feel like i'm the fact that i got like two decks out of this precon set where i'm like oh these there's some cool stuff going on here um that's fine that, that's the great thing about this precon product they don't always have to please everyone uh except the like Phyrexian one has to please everyone and can't be gross in Phyrexian. But. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Um, no, I, I, uh, I feel the same way. It's, I, I feel sad that they made the Phyrexians so lame. Like Brimez looks so cool. And like the cards in the deck, uh, are so like in general, really rad, right? Like they're, mm-hmm super strong you got the splicer you got the yeah the mechanics are neat yeah all the mechanics are super cool that uh it really sucks that they they pulled back i feel like on the power level and like the meanness and the look of phyrexians for the last two sets Mm -hmm. um which was kind of the point i feel like (laughs) so that kind of blows it sucks that like people who really like phyrexia the phyrexia of old like i feel like just hadn't didn't ever get the bone that they thought they were gonna get you know they didn't even get 
they thought they're going to get like a steak, like a full steak dinner. And they got like some chicken grizzle or something, you know, like just not anything similar to what was, uh, I think like assumed to be promised. Mm-hmm. So that, that sucks. Do you think we could get a set like the dark in modern magic? Like, do you think the dark is beyond the pale in terms of like current look for magic cards? Um, like just super moody and like creepy well, and stuff. And, and like at times gory, I'm thinking of like Tividar's crusade or like oh, yeah. am- amnesia where you're like literally seeing the, the brain oozing out of this guy, the hole in this guy's head. Yeah. Um, I think so. I think my guess is that they would put it in like a supplemental product or like, uh, at some point we're going to talk about if, if aftermath. That's the case, well, know? if they're not getting weird with like the supplemental products for like all will be one or, or March of the machine that then do you really think like there's well, another I, supplemental product out there where they, uh, I guess so. I, I mean, I was thinking like some kind of like uh modern horizons, Z supplemental thing or like some, like battle creepy battle bond or something you know like but yeah i don't, <laughs> I don't know nights yeah it might just be the case that they their market research has shown that like it's a very small number of people who react well to that kind of like dark body horror stuff and like mm-hmm. the number of people who uh like react negatively is like just vastly much higher so they just it's not something we're going to see anymore but uh, i mean who am i to say I'm not looking at the the spreadsheets they have. Yeah. Oh well. Just a thought. Like I, uh, it is a shame that the tone has been narrowed. Um, yeah. Although on, on the other hand, like they probably won't go back to Lorwyn anymore because that's too light. So. Yeah, <laughs> or not like at least not in the form that it is right now, right? Yeah. Like there's some something's gonna have to change, like a Kamigawa right to be able to go back Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean so that's this is the commander deck so we have um our predictions episode which will actually be pretty fun so i hope you all are ready for that um hope you'll enjoy that i think it keeps us honest and like a lot better at evaluating these cards (laughs) honestly like that's one of the reasons i think that uh we've gotten so good at this if i can say so myself um so those are fun and good. Well, wait and to then, say that until we see how our predictions did from the last set. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. I, I might be wrong. You know, I haven't checked all the way. You know, I haven't looked. Been trying to keep my finger off the tab of that set a uh, button on EDA Trek, but we'll see. All right, <laughs> yeah. Find out with us next week. Um, but I think that is the end of the conversation for March of the Machines Commander decks. Um, before we go. I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, Hannah, Andy, James, Bryce, Benjamin, Brandon, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, John, John, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Frugal, Brutal, Carl, Oscar, Danny B, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, BJ, Cameron, Valerio, Quincy, Carrie, Stephen, The Longs, Vincent, Maceo, Dylan, and... Uh, Sorry, we just got a new patron. Uh, And Cameron. So thank you all for supporting the show. If you're not currently a Patreon patron, but would like to become one, 
please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am at fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commander theory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, You can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think.